Hello and welcome to episode 172 of the Ram Nintendo Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Angel. And uh, this is the episode where we discuss the big Nintendo Direct. Also, the episode where basically we confirm everything we predicted comes true in the Nintendo Direct. Uh, we're calling it we're calling it the one with the direct because really that's pretty much all we're talking about. Um, there's been some expected news where we pat ourselves on the back for two hours. No, but yeah, basically there's been like some surprises. There's been some expected news and there's been like surprise twists on expected news all in one direct. So we're gonna talk about that. Um, outside of that, we also have some third party game news to cover. We have impressions of Bridge uh, Constructor Portal and Toki Toy Two Plus both on Switch at the end of the show. Um, so if there's any individual game from the director elsewhere, uh, elsewhere you want to hear about, we got blog posts over at ramtown.com with the timestamps for this episode, you can go there, or we can just talk about the direct as a whole, which leads me to ask you, Angel, what did you think of the direct as a whole? <laughs> what did you think of the direct? Like, it's, it's been a week, it's, there's time to let it simmer. What's your um, takeaway? It's nice to see that there's still a lot of games coming out for the Switch. Uh, did not expect this, I mean... I remember we had discussed about the fact that the 3DS or the 3DS at this point is just a budget system that's just going to get a bunch of ports. It sort of still is. No, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> and how that pretty much is still true. But I guess even so, like with that mentality, I'm, I'm still surprised. Like, oh, we're getting another Mario and Luigi. Oh, we're getting Luigi's Mansion. Well, let's back up. Another Mario and Luigi is a already released Mario and Luigi that's cookie cuttered into no, the exact I know. same formula as the one that came out literally half a year ago. But Honestly, yeah, though, like, yeah, I get your point. Other than story felt so recent that I thought it was a 3ds game like <laughs> you thought they're just porting a game on the system back to the system but like with a, bowser jr like, like they just decided to promote a nintendo selects game oh it's um, like when they do the splatoon starter pack thing where it's like hey remember splatoon 2 here it is again but now it comes with stickers you, yeah. you know what i'm talking yeah, about yeah, right? yeah, yeah they did for zelda as well yeah but. so basically that i mean it, it was fun nothing i mean as far as games that i'm excited about i didn't really hear anything i mean the, a lot of it was ports a lot of it was you know, like Dark Souls. I mean, mm-hmm. like I may or may not get it. I mean, that's cool that it's coming, but yeah, you know, the, like the, Amiibo doesn't do much for me. I, if anything, I was hoping to hear something about um, Pocket Rumble, which maybe we'll hear in that Nindy Direct coming, coming up later. on Tuesday on the twentieth. I mean, even the Smash Brothers announcement like didn't really do anything for me because it's like we we knew it was yeah. yeah like I mean, I, I felt like like it's everyone knows it's coming. I was really confident it was going to come this year, so getting that getting a teaser is no different than seeing the Metroid Prime 4 logo. Yeah. Like, it's like, oh, okay. yeah, I mean, that's literally what it was. Yeah, it was it's, it's like, Nintendo, oh, you guys are making it. Okay. Nintendo's really good at logos. Like, Bayonetta 3, they did the logo. Metroid Prime 4, they did the logo. Smash, they did the logo. But in the eye of an inkling, like, they're, they're really, really good at just, like, what if we show them a logo and then nothing else? And they've now done it three times to equal success all three times. So... I, think, yeah, I, think I mean, it got the internet all crazy. It did, yeah. So. I mean, the whole the whole day, really, of that Direct felt all crazy. It felt like E3, because, like, there was the Nintendo Direct, then Activision announced Call of Duty Black Ops 4, then Ubisoft announced the Division 2, then Fortnite announces coming to smartphones, and that was all in 12 hours, on a random Wednesday or Thursday in the middle of March. Like, it was really odd, because I don't think they, obviously none of that was coordinated, but it just kind of like coincidence. But I think that, like, for the purpose, I, I agree with you that it wasn't necessarily the most, like, mind-blowing Direct in terms of the content. I mean, Smash, obviously, a lot of people were excited for, but there's nothing that... You know, there's nothing that's like yeah, like, oh, totally earth shattering. I mean, for Switch, it's like okay, yeah, there's nothing super like crazy. Mm-hmm. But I think for the purpose of what directs have become as a thing, like this particular presentation was exactly what it needed to be. Like Nintendo really has kind of they have this format down to a science. Like they've really nailed the format. I mean, for one thing, if you go like the direct 
website, like at Nintendo.com, to the direct page. They now have this whole crazy, like, timeline set up, and you can, like, click any game, and it opens just that part of video, and has a more info link. It's, like, this elaborate thing. Like, remember when the direct used to just be a guy in front of a white screen, and then there's just... That was it. They didn't, like, make a page for it. It's That's just on YouTube. That's they were the most exciting. Yeah, but now they're, like, these very organized things, which is so much better. And now they're putting them in as ads in front of YouTube videos, like the whole Direct. Some guy on Reddit was like, yeah, I was watching YouTube, and it's like, here's the Direct. <laughs> just start playing. <laughs> and after five seconds, he could skip it. Or if it's targeted correctly, maybe he'll watch the next 35 minutes. Who knows? But pretty nuts. it is kind of insane that they're, like, this streamlined. But, but more what I mean um, than just, like, oh, they're good at doing Directs now is, like, the type of announcements we're getting in these Directs feels it feels like Nintendo's falling into like a rhythm almost like they seem to have this really good rhythm short-term announcement combined with some sort of mic drop ending all the logos that we were talking about like essentially essentially they have like this pattern i don't know how better to describe it. it's like a pattern where it's they have these few games they focus on for the next couple of months then they tease something big on their horizon then they focus on a few games for the next couple of months and they tease something big on their horizon and they just kind of rinse and repeat it doesn't even have to be first party like remember I think it was like a year ago. They just rambly were like, "Oh yeah, Shimagami Tensei is coming to Switch," and that was like a big thing. And it was mostly just a logo. Or when they revealed Doom, they're like, "Also Wolfenstein 2 in a year. We'll talk about it then." And it's just kind of there for a minute. And I don't even remember if there was gameplay of Wolfenstein. I think there was a little, but not much. But it's just this approach that Nintendo's been honing in on these past few years. Like we used to have situations. I know this is one you personally hate, Angel. We used to have situations where they would talk about the same game in the direct over and over and over and over. Oh my god, Pikmin three. Yeah, and then of course, being even the, after the game came out, like they kept it, talking it, it about had it, just come out, and they have another direct, and they're like, "Oh, this game just came out! Look at all these modes!" It's like, "Oh my god!" Mm-hmm. Like, and I remember, like, because we, being the good podcast that we are, we cover every direct and what they talk about. So that means we talked about Pikmin over and over and over. And I remember by the end, you were just like, "You wanted to stab me," I think, because it totally sucked the fun out of the game because you knew everything. Yeah. So they finally moved away from doing that. Now it's like they do a yeah, tease. They haven't quite done a. Pikmin slash Mario, Mario Kart, Kart 8, 8. Yeah. where they literally like puked out every everything about the game. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is they managed to refine this rhythm of how to do game announcements. That's really nice to see because now it's like you get a short tease, a long break, and then a couple months in advance, it's like, oh, hey, here it is. Or for third-party games or smaller games, they just throw them out there with only a couple months' notice. You know, Doom, Mario and Rabbids, even to some extent, but a lesser extent, uh, Rocket League. All those games we only knew within six months of their release. They went from being a thing that we've heard of to being in our Switches in less than half a year, which is the polar opposite of how Pikmin 3 or Mario Kart 8 or any of those were handled years ago. So it, it's cool because it lets them keep word of mouth going year-round. It keeps a similar level of buzz year-round, and then they still get to do those big internet-breaking teases like Smash Bros. So it's kind of win-win. I mean, if you, like, if you look at this Direct, you're saying it's a lot of ports, right? Uh-huh. If you look at this Direct, we got seven entirely new Switch games. Granted, some are ports, but like games we didn't know existed we got seven that are now coming out within the next 90 days that previously just didn't exist. Really? We heard rumors, but I counted them off, and eight if you count the Splatoon DLC. But there are seven new third-party or first-party releases coming to Switch that prior to the Direct simply did not exist in the public conscious. And now they're here with, by June, by July. It's a very cool system they finally put in place. Um, and I think that's probably why we didn't see Yoshi. We didn't see Fire Emblem. We didn't see anything like that um, because those are all longer-term, late 2018 games. So following Nintendo's own little structure here of short-term announcement, tease, short-term announcement, tease, there's no reason to bring those up until the fall. So we're probably at most, or at the very early see, see them at a, like E3 or something, you know? Huh. But but yeah, in the, in the meantime, we have Smash. 
I mean, that that's what it's on. But I do wonder, though, like, so we have Smash for now. Are they going to run out of games where they can just throw a logo on the screen for it? Like, because this, this rhythm works of, you know, shorter term announcements, yeah, I mean, yeah, tease it, a few it, years it, out. It, it works for Smash. It works for Metroid. It works for Animal Crossing, it ultimately. I feel like it can't really work for Animal Crossing. I feel like you can't do, like, a like a dramatic... Because these are all, like, dramatic teasers. Oh, true, true. I don't necessarily mean dramatic. I just mean, like, they could play no, no, 10 seconds of footage in Animal Crossing and say more, more later this year, and people would freak. They can't do that with the revival of Balloon Trip coming in 2020. You know what I mean? Like, they're going to run out by I mean, they did it with Kid Icarus. <laughs> Kid Icarus was in Smash at that point, though, so it's yeah. a bigger deal. But it's, like, I mean, obviously like, I Pokemon like can, can do like, it. I feel like it won't even work with Donkey Kong. Donkey Kong. No. Donkey Kong yeah. doesn't work because they sort of fake They could do it with F-Zero. Like, yeah, they could do it with F-Zero. They could probably do it with, like, a pilot wings. Not in the no. same way. No, it's not going to... No, it's going to have to be a completely, like, re, in, like reimagined pilot wings. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying, like, it's going to break the internet every time. But I'm saying, like, they can keep this pattern of short-term announcements with long-term teases of games that we haven't seen in a while for quite a while. Probably a year or two, but they are going to run out. That's kind of the fight thing. Or maybe by then, we're up to Mario Odyssey 2 and Breath of the Wild 2. And then they just start cycling those in, and they just perpetually are doing these teases. I don't know. But, um, yeah, for now, for the immediate... Uh, horizon schedule whatever you want to call it the big tease we got was Smash Bros and we've been saying it a while now I mean you specifically Angel have been saying it a while now that this was a shoe in for 2018 this is not I mean you already said it when you were talking about the direct this isn't really a surprise for a lot of people um, I feel like it was kind of a given for all of us that it would be a Switch Online launch title it seems like it could very well be which would put it in a September release which is kind of cool all they're saying is 2018 but it could be September but um what was kind of surprising, I think, was seeing it in this specific direct. Like, I don't know why March was the... I mean, I have some theories, but March was kind of an unexpected time to see it. I mean, it was the most basic of teases. All we know is the Inklings are in it. All we know is Link has a Breath of the Wild outfit. And all we know is Mario is, of course, there. But, you know, yeah, the fact that it confirmed it with now... Cappy, because Cappy can be dormant and just look like oh, a regular Mario I didn't hat. even think of Cappy. That's yeah. interesting. I, I really hope, honestly, at this point, um, for a while, I thought... um. And I have said that here multiple times that, like, I was pretty sure this is going to be a, basically an enhanced port, mm-hmm. like, everything from the 3DS, sprinkle in some new stuff, call it a Smash Brothers for Switch or whatever, call I'm it not, a day. I'm not trying to buy but, it anymore. I know, I, I, that's what I said, like, that's not easy thing, but I guess kind of what I feel like it would be now, more than anything is, um, because I was, I'm pretty much going on the fact that I kept thinking, there's no way they could have developed a whole new Smash Brothers between the time of releases, but yeah. with how... Splatoon, how Splatoon is developed and how ARMS is developed, I'm pretty sure we're going to see like a Smash service game where it's going to be a brand new game, but we're only going to have like maybe 20, 30 characters, maybe less at launch, and they're just going to and slowly... They trickle them out. They just slowly trickle everything out for a few years. and That's an interesting that's idea. Yeah, because what better way to launch a premium online service that you need to pay for every year than by having Smash be trickled out over many years so you have to keep paying to yeah keep like if any stuff, game could last yeah. a long time because it's going to be like oh where is Captain Falcon where is like I'm just like let's say Captain Falcon is in the starting yeah. roster we're going to have a lot of characters that aren't going to be in the starting roster that have been in the game for a long time like maybe we won't see Ganondorf because he's going to be completely reworked as a different character and honestly I'm perfectly fine with this so it sounds like a soft reboot of the whole Smash Bros it, it's going to be like Street Fighter 5 because that's what Street Fighter 5 right. did Street Fighter 4 like at its core just had a ton of characters from the get go mm-hmm. and I mean they did eventually kind of go nuts with their Super Street Fighter 4 Arcade Edition and Ultra Street Fighter 4 blah 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 but Street Fighter 5 just came out with like maybe 16 characters when it first came out and so, now they're like at 30 so are you saying running with your theory here are you saying you think that those silhouettes that they showed in the ball that everyone's spending way too much time speculating about um, 
Are you saying that's probably the initial lineup of characters, and they'll just stack onto that as time goes on? Do you think that's it? Those like fifteen yeah. or ten people in there plus the Inklings? I'm almost. I'm kind of hoping that's the case now, because if anything, it's an interesting idea. Because, I mean, it might not work out for like people like more casual players that just want to play a game with a ton of characters yeah. in it. Like, it's just going to feel really unfinished. But since this is the kind of game that I would obviously invest a ton of hours and I want to get really good at mm-hmm. having a smaller roster means that I could actually play as every character and get to really know them because there aren't going to be that many to pick right. from and as they start trickling them out one by one it's like you pretty much know the matchup for each one I, and it, it, it's almost I mean it almost works out better for the fighting game community in that way right yeah I do but think they run it could be disappointing yeah yeah very disappointing because there's a situation with arms so the developer of arms or the producer of arms did interviews recently and he was like oh yeah we purposely at the start of arms picked characters that were all kind of neutrals you can get to know anyone then we started doing the more advanced technique characters later on in the games six months of updates that they had and i'm wondering like so they could do the diverse thing like you're saying that would make more sense now of just the arms issue but we do have five six episodes of us talking about how arms botched their rollout so i wonder like are they got to bi-weekly updates for smash well, or they need to do something more but, but that's the thing though i, I think it, it wasn't so much that um yeah it's definitely that they didn't have enough characters but i yeah. feel like part of the reason arms didn't stick well because i don't know a lot of people just didn't find the inherent gameplay that, engaging that's enough fair, for it that's to, fair. like smash brothers on its own already has so much meat on its bones with just the basic fighting that it yeah. doesn't i mean if, no, you ha- if you have the same sense. number of starting characters as ARMS did, Smash Bros. will still be a much more a, a much more deep game, I guess, for lack of a better term. But I, I do think you're right that whether it becomes a game... It's probably going to be priced down, too, for that reason. It probably won't be like a full forty nine ninety nine game. It'll probably oh, be like for a, sure, it'll be 49 Well, actually, 59 is the like, standard, so maybe it'll be 49 I mean, if, it, if they Dude, start... they're charging 50 for Sushi Striker. This thing's going to be 50 <laughs> That's right. They did charge 50 for Splatoon, so... Yeah. No, they charge 60 for Splatoon. Yeah, 60. Splatoon 2 is a full game. But yeah, I think I think you're really on. Uh, oh no, but that's not like this will be. But I I guess it depends on whether we're gonna get, like, let's say the charger is sixty bucks. Sure. Um, and they start the roster with like twenty. Do you think we are gonna get, essentially, a roster match to Smash Four, which is like fifty something characters for free, included with those sixty bucks, or do you think? Essentially, every other character is going to be paid for. I suspect it's going to have to be the former. Okay, let's let's use Splatoon as an example, actually, because you were saying that you envision it being similar to how Splatoon Two worked, right? More so yeah. than Arms. That's probably better. Yeah, because that one's charging a sixty, and essentially, eventually, Everything giving a sixty dollars worth of content. Right. So I suspect they're going to, if they do this route, they're going to mimic the Splatoon method, which is they bring it up to the same value of what you had on Wii. At it, Wii U, I mean, at its prime. It is better. And it then at better that the, point, they can feel yeah. comfortable doing more. Because, you know, Splatoon, we'll talk about the DLC later, but that only came out after, that's only coming out for that a full year after release. Yeah, and that would make it look a lot better in the public. Like, yeah. oh, I'm eventually getting 50 characters? That's cool, that's free. Yeah, I think, I think though, that the Splatoon parallel is actually a really good one because, like, I wasn't sure if they, like, I felt they were doing a championship edition kind of like you did. We talked about it on the show prior to the direct, but then the direct, once they showed, you know, all the new designs and everything, I was like, oh, this is, and they, they, it seems bigger. I mean, you don't call Smash Bros. Smash Bros. with a working title if it's a port. Yeah, right? and even like the way it comes in is different. The logo's different. Yeah. Also, every single port, Toontown's credit, they're very good. They're doing a lot of ports, but they're very good at telling us their ports. Like, very good at telling us their ports. Now on Switch, coming to Switch, the experience now, you know, better on Switch, yeah. enhanced on Switch. 
This had none of that. This was just, here's Smash Bros. Yeah, which and, means and it's not a, something we've seen before. And uh, this isn't a post-Nintendo embracing online games as a service. Yeah. As opposed to the first one where they were still kind of like in the middle. Waffling on it. Yeah, like still getting a hang of DLC. And we're like, all right, no, we're still that coming. We'll give you as much as possible on one game cart. And then mm-hmm. Switch comes out and you get arms and splatoon and whatever yeah and i think i think the other thing to keep in mind is like if they were to have ported this which is something we didn't really talk about or i don't think many people thought about but if they were to have ported it they would have still had a new one well ultimately but not so much that more how do you justify charging an online fee when you could play the wii u and 3ds version of the same game online for free like it's a bad look and there it's really hard to justify that if they're just like hey this is the one you played over there but now it's over here but we're making you pay again for it <laughs> like now do you pay for the game again but you're paying for online and sure we gave you two extra characters and sure the 3ds stages are in hd but there's nothing else yeah. to it like it, it it would feel like a ripoff so so yeah i think i think this is most likely a new game i think what might have happened is do you remember before switch came out when it was still the nx and there were rumors that splatoon was getting a port to switch Mm-hmm. And then there were rumors that Smash was getting a port to Switch, and that's where our theories came from. My gut feeling is, in both instances, what they saw were the engines of those games being ported to Switch. Because Splatoon 2 is really Splatoon 1.5, right? Yeah. Like, it's it has new content, a lot of new content, but it's the same core game. I would not be surprised, even with your idea of they build it from the ground up over the course of a long time, you know, many updates for free. I would not be surprised if what we're going to play is actually Smash 4.5. Well, yeah, same I mean, basic engine, same basic assets, I mean, but they're going to revamp how I mean, Smash 4 for Smash 4 Wii U literally is, like, Smash Brawl. Yeah, it's Brawl like, cleaned up, yeah. Yeah, because all the moves are the same, all the physics, like, everything. Like, if you played Brawl, you'll not have All they do is take out tripping. Yeah, that's yeah. all they do. So and yeah, just I, change, and just change the art style. So they're probably going to do that again. Yeah, I suspect that's what it's going to be. It's going to be the same underlying core. Especially because this one, so far, I mean, people say what they will about Melee, how it's like the best, and blah blah blah. But like after going to a lot of tournaments and just like seeing the what feels like the overall consensus, people really love Smash Four the most overall right now, just because it has it's the most varied. It's just the most yeah. balanced overall. Like yeah. Melee, yeah, it could be more competitive, but that's only with like six characters. Yeah, that, that that's not exciting. No. I want to see Marth and Fox in every single tournament. It's nice that Smash Four at least has like, even if Bayonetta right now is considered like overpowered and everyone hates her, at least she's I, interesting I, and different. Yeah, well, that and at least like when you look at the top twenty finalists, there's like a bunch, like it's so like almost the whole roster is there. Right, like no one is like really discounted. Right, which is really nice. I mean, that's what you want to see in a fighting game. That's usually I hope if they do best your case game, scenario. If they do your game as servicing, I don't know if I like. It's a really interesting idea. I don't know if I'm whole, totally sold on it. But we'll, we'll see what happens. But if they do the game of service thing, I'm really curious if they limit one character per franchise for a while. Opposed to having, like, four Fire Emblem people up front. You know what I mean? Maybe. I was kind of hoping for, like, at least one more um, represent, one more character to represent Metroid besides just Samus. Oh, I mean, that could happen ultimately. And, yeah. But and, I'm and, saying, and, like, I don't know if on day one... zero character. There's more than just Captain Falcon. Right? Why not do Fox McCloud's dad and then just do the Star Fox crossover yeah. people's dreams? But James... His yeah. name's James, but um, I forgot his name. I want Pico, the turtle-looking alien dude. Oh, yeah. He, uh, I, I'd be okay with that. Uh, well, what's his name's assist trophy already? Oh, Samurai. Yeah, Samurai. Samurai Goro. Yeah, Goro. I was going to say Groudon, which is a Pokemon that's also but I feel, the same color. But... If it's not Pico, I'm pretty sure it's going to be Black Bull of anybody. Probably. Because yeah. he's like the rival. He's like the rival, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I think if they do what you're saying, it is going to be like one game per – or one character per franchise at first, and they'll have a better representation of all franchises and then slowly stack on – People, people have the sniffles. Franchise. But they'll forgive you. Sniffles are forgivable. 
but uh yeah i don't know like i i'm not entirely like i said i'm not entirely sure if it's gonna be a game as a service in the way you're describing it will for sure be a game as a service i just don't know if it's gonna be that light to begin with because that was a thing that splatoon and arms had to battle with was this game doesn't quite well, feel I mean, worth it right now i mean when i, I mean light, i mean stuff. like i'm talking about compared to their final 55 character roster or mm. however many it was we're okay gonna, yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna yeah. start with like 20 or 30 yeah and then the That's other 20 reasonable. are gonna be Instead of having seven DLC characters, going to be like twenty-seven. That that like thirty is, is still reasonable. a pretty big number. Yeah, that's and that'd what, be how they get that's out. That's Brawl almost ended. Brawl had like thirty-six characters by the end, right? Which is nuts that we're getting to these numbers. We're getting to actually, if anything, I think uh, Marvel's Cap uh, Smash Brothers Four beat the roster count of Marvel's Capcom Two, which had like fifty-two characters. Huh. And that thing looked like when you look at the characters that look screen in that game, it just looks that screen would overwhelm me as a child. I'm not even kidding. Like I'd look at it, <laughs> it like, I don't even know. And then you really look at it now, like wait a minute, there's two Wolverines. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> they're the exact same character. Except one has bones for claws, and the other ones have adamantium. Yeah, but you play Smash Bros. <laughs> as a kid, and you look at it as an adult, and go, "Why is Mario wearing a cloak and called a doctor now? I don't get it." So, <laughs> That's like, true, yeah. it's, you know, or why is Mars also Ike, also Robin, also <laughs> Lucina? Yeah, like, you, don't, you don't need to the own. Yeah, actual... yeah. It's just like why not? But um, but yeah, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see for sure. I do think, I do think two things about the reveal specifically, regardless of how the game turns out. I gotta give Nintendo credit; they're very good at these reveals. Like that. When did you? How early into the trailer did you figure out that that was gonna be Smash? As soon as they said, you know, here's one, one more thing. thing. See, that's what I thought too. And then they started showing the Splatoon footage, which is a good mirror. I feel, of, I feel like as soon as I saw the Splatoon footage, I was like, oh, it's a smart, they're revealing them as characters. Like, it just see, felt... see, from, it's weird because like, it took me a second because I was like, Splatoon 1, because that, that thing where they're running through the ink and crisscrossing and all that, that is the reveal of Splatoon 1. That's the exact same reveal. They just changed the ink patterns to form a Smash Ball, apparently. But, which I didn't really notice. But I don't know, watch the, the video again, says, it didn't feel like it. That's what the internet tells me, and the internet only speaks the truth. Fake news is fake. It's all real. So, I'm just believing the internet. No, but uh, you might be right. But when, <laughs> like, I'm watching, I'm like, are they HD remaking the original? That makes zero sense. I'm like, oh, right, like, right as um, they stopped running, I was like, oh, wait a minute. And then the screen fade, I'm like, oh, wait a minute. And, you know, then, of course, the Smash reveal happened. It sounds like you were, like, the dude at the New York crowd. Did you see that video of the people at Nintendo New York who, like, had panic attacks and freaked out when this I was saw announced? an image of it. So there was one guy who, right as it started, just started jumping in front of the screen going, it's Smash, it's Smash, it's Smash. And everyone's like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> you were basically that guy, I think, because you knew right off the bat. Um, I mean, I wouldn't have acted like that. No, but I mean, realizing I would have just stayed quickly. in the back with my arms crossed the whole yes, time. Yes, you would. Yeah, they were very... Not looking excited, but this video... more excited inside. <laughs> yeah, you're good at not looking excited, but um, you're good at very flat reactions to everything in life. But the the yeah, the video of the crowd, we link to it, or we'll we'll go ahead. I think and the link only time it. I got legitimately excited was for the the Ninja Turtles reveal for Injustice Two. Oh yeah, you were like, I, I came over right after I happened to record a podcast, I think, and you you could not, you were not functioning like a normal yeah, person. I was actually like, oh my god, this can't be happening. Like, I'm like, wow, well, I guess people can get excited. It's not all. Fake. The only time I've been that super excited I could think of is when at Comic Con I won my way into Conan's show at the very last second and got his autograph like in a swag bag. And so I, the first thing I got excited was last year? No, 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 no. Like <laughs> that level of excited. Oh. I've been excited about stuff, but the first time I've been like, like totally caught guard and almost like exciting to the point like sore shaking was when I actually can't say anything because. Into, yeah, you Because like, that, yeah, that was five months ago. Oh, yeah. Man. So we're lame people. Yeah, we have no emotion. It, our, our excitement standards are apparently really high. Yeah, I guess so. It just takes a lot of excitement. <laughs> but um, yeah, in the in the video though, people were excited. Like it, it reminded me of the reaction to Twilight Princess back at E3 2004 when yeah. it was like, oh, finally a mature Zelda, and people were like losing their minds. It's 
that volume of screaming. <laughs> that could have only happened after Wind Waker being a thing. Yeah, exactly. There's no way you'd ever like, repeat that. Like, Breath of the Wild, even then... I mean, Nintendo sort of, like, ruins any opportunity to have those moments because they don't have press conferences or gatherings to watch these things. But Nintendo New York, the store, does do direct screenings, so this is the closest we've come to something like that in terms of literally being a physical thing that could happen. And yeah, people are losing their minds. So we have a video of it in the blog post or something, if anyone's curious. It's it's entertaining. It's amusing, if nothing else. Uh, so there's a link to that if you guys are curious. But the other thing I wanted to say about the reveal before we move on to other games is I still want to know, like, I still have questions about why specifically this direct. Like, I have theories, I should say. I mean, it's a thought. I was starting to say when we started talking about Smash 4, you're crazy. Well, if it's a game as a service, to the extreme idea popped up. But seriously, like, March? A random direct in March that was advertised as being a place to learn more about Mario Tennis and then it has Smash in it? Like, it, I, I guess there's some pun level cleverness in there. But. Like what? A, a Smash in Tennis, like smashing the. Anyway, the point is, it, <laughs> it just seemed really random and it makes me think there's. I mean, I mean, there's reason behind it, I think, but it's just you don't really think about it until you, like, stop and think about it. I think, first, it was just a really smart way to keep the street, uh, the street going for the Switch, like the hot streak. Um, Switch is, right now, the most buzzed-about console out there, right? Like, it's... We mentioned it last episode, but it's the top-selling system in the U.S. in January. That's when Nintendo didn't even put out a single game that month, and it was still the number one seller. Uh, so if you can keep momentum going now in the quieter month of March, where all we have is Kirby, like, you know, before, before Labo hit, before all the games in the spring hit... Why not use Smash to do it? Like it's it's simple enough. It didn't have to do much, but put out a CG trailer easy enough. But I think remember, reason number two is we're gonna see Smash really have a big presence at E3 this year. And I suspect that depending on what Nintendo's planned, they needed to get the ball rolling sooner rather than later on Smash, and they needed to do it now because if they want to plan, say, a second Smash Bros. Invitational. There's no way they can invite players, they can promote the event, the event ahead of its airing, they can get all their ducks in a row, you know, get a venue, do all that. There's no way they can do all that in secrecy completely. Like, Smash for Wii U was known before Smash, the first Smash Invitational. They had to talk about Smash now or in April or in May in order to do an Invitational. I'm not saying they necessarily are going to, but... You're saying they're going to. I'm saying they're going to. I mean... They've done some sort of tournament at E3 for years now. The Smash Invitational was the first. The Nintendo World Championship was the second. They did, um, I think the only year... They, yeah, they did Pokémon Arms and Splatoon last year. The only year they skipped was the Zelda year in 2015. Oh, when they had nothing? When they had nothing but Zelda, which makes sense how you do a tournament in Zelda. But, yeah, I seriously think they're going to do something again this year. It's a big part of their show. It's a big part of the booth. Um, it's probably not going to be in the... Well, it's for sure not going to be in the Microsoft Theater like the original was because Microsoft is appropriately enough taking over the Microsoft Theater. They announced last week that Xbox will not have a presence on the E3 floor. Instead, it will only be across the street in the Microsoft Theater where they're doing what they're calling FanFest. And the entirety of the theater will just be Xbox everything for the whole three days. So Nintendo can't do it there, but they, you know, they, they could book a venue elsewhere in LA. They could you know, start inviting players. They could start trickling things out and announcing Smash now guarantees that they don't have to worry about leaks later. It pretty much prevents it entirely. Also, something to consider, Smash Bros. Dojo. So, Sakurai, who is confirmed to be involved with Smash Bros., has the new one, has a love of those trickling out of tidbits. Just when you think he's out, he's back in, yeah. But, uh, you know, he did the dojo where he's post a photo a day. He did Miiverse where he put a photo a day, or screenshot, I should say. I like he did the, the dojo. For, I like that first dojo where like 
it wasn't just a picture. Like it was yeah. like an item in the description and or the, music sample or multiple images. Yeah. And you know how long he did the dojo for? Eleven months straight. Wow. Every weekday for eleven months. So if Smash is coming out in twenty eighteen, if Smash is coming out in September with Switch Online, hypothetically. He needs time to start his dojo, whatever form it may take, whether it's a Snapchat, whether it's an Instagram story, whether it's Twitter, whether it's another website. It's going to be a Nintendo News bulletin on well, the Yeah, Switch. whether that's actually the so way to do it. So they can actually yeah. use it. Use it. I, I like checking it for information. I don't believe you. I show you my <laughs> Switch, but I'll have it. Bring here. it next time. Okay. We'll yeah. And we'll look? Yeah. Cool. So I have a solid couple weeks to uh, read it <laughs> and make, mark them all red. But yeah, he's gonna need some time to do the dojo. So if you announce Smash now, he can start the dojo or its equivalent, you know, this week, next week. But if you don't announce it till June, that gives him three months to do what he took eleven months to do last time. Which, granted, way more news, and it fits more with Nintendo's short-term announcement cycle. I was talking about at the top, but Smash is probably the one game that they can very slowly milk for a full year and actually get people to care for a full year. So, so just thoughts on that. Um, yeah, I, I will say though, sales wise, I'm curious because I. I don't think I've ever asked or to really remember, but I mean, how does Smash Brothers do usually like per console? Like, is it usually like one of its like top five games? Is it its yep. best game? It's up there. It's in the top five for sure. I'm actually going to oh. Nintendo's investor site right now to pull the numbers for you. Really? As oh. you started talking, I'm like, oh, I know he's gonna ask, and I don't have that available. So let me let me well, load it well, here. Well, it's very much appreciated. It's it's that's what I do. Um, yeah, let me try and find it though. This is riveting, riveting podcasting right here. No, it's always in like the top five. Oh, here's the press release about Illumination. Great. It's um, it's always in the top five. Always. I'm buying time and I'm really bad at doing this while navigating. Da, 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 da. We'll get there. We'll go. Oh, here we go. Nope, that's not it. There used to be a little tab on the left. Now, it might help if I go to the English website opposed to the Japanese one, but, you know, sometimes you just got to... Well, you know, I mean... You said it's always in top five. I guess that kind of answers my question, so I guess we could move on. No, no, now I have to, like, find it. Oh, it's down here. I found it. Okay, everyone oh, ready? So I hope I didn't waste too much of everyone's man and a half. That's probably a minute. Okay, so on. Cool, it's not loading. This is, this is going great, guys. Going so great. All right, here we go. On Wii U, Smash Bros. was the second, sorry, nope, fourth bestseller. With five and a half million copies. Huh. Only bested by Mario 3D World, Mario U, and Mario Kart 8. Yes, Mario U actually outsold it because it was the launch town. Now, to be fair, Smash, 3D World, and Mario, uh, Mario U were all within a million of each other. In fact, 3D World and Mario U sold the exact same number of copies, 5.75 million. Wow. Uh, and Mario Kart's way ahead of 8 million. Then if you go over to 3DS, Smash Bros. is further down the list significantly, but still in the top 10. It's... Uh, Let's see here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eighth place with nine million copies on 3DS. Bested by Animal Crossing with 11, Mario 3D Land with 11, Mario Bros. 2 with 12.43. That's New Super Mario Bros. 2. Mario come A down. whole lot of Pokemons going X and Y, Sun and Moon, Ruby and Sapphire, High Sun to Lowest. You are competing with Pokemon. And then Mario Kart 7 with nearly 17 million copies, which is oh. a lot. Then if you go to Wii, this will be the last one. Brawl is... Uh, at 13.25 million copies but keep in mind this was the Blue Ocean Day so it was bested by Wii Fit Plus Wii Fit Wii Play New Super Mario Brothers Wii Wii Sports Resort Jesus. Mario Kart Wii and Wii Sports so it was the best of the hardcore games you could say no GameCube? Uh, GameCube isn't here no oh. I could probably find it but I don't want to take too much time googling but yeah so Smash is always a big seller for the core but not necessarily the best seller on the system but well you know it does well enough clearly that it's a big deal to have it 
So, so we'll see. I could see if they don't do the news channel, I could see them um, doing Twitter. By the way, for Smash Bros, they already do that for every other game in Europe yeah, and Japan. So Mario has one. Definitely to like his Twitter. Yeah, and and like Mario Odyssey had one. Kirby Star Allies. Never mind. One. I was Platoon confusing him one. with Kamiya. He really likes his <laughs> no, Twitter. No, uh, Sakurai tweets. He, in fact, he. That's how we know he's involved in the game. He tweeted, "Hey, we have a lot to reveal, including a title for to prove it's new." But yeah, it's happening. I'm involved, so or something like that. So yeah, that's Smash. Uh, I think we spent a good amount of time on Smash for a one and a half minute trailer. Uh, it was definitely the single biggest news out of direct. But if we're talking about surprises or unexpected things, that was it. I think. No, I think there's one other. I wouldn't say it rivaled Smash, but it was big in that no one really knew it was happening here specifically. Who cared about Sushi Striker? Except me. What? Who cared about Sushi Striker? Oh well, I think say about Sushi Striker and they're not good. But no, I was thinking Splatoon 2's upcoming Octo expansion. Oh. Like DL, it's, DLC itself isn't that big of a deal, and the fact that they announced the DLC in tandem with the "quote unquote" spring collection of free gear and items and all that—that's uh, something. Mean, that's a, something I said in January was going to happen, not really thinking it I mean, was going to happen. Is there a collection every season? There is. Therefore, you can technically say, like, oh, no, it's but, the fall collection, or the summer collection, or the spring collection. Oh, here's what they promised. They said they were going to do a year of updates, meaning the spring collection is the final set of uh, clothing before they go paid. So you have two routes you can go. You either do all the free stuff, including free new maps and everything, and then come summer, you're like, by the way, we're going to launch DLC soon. Or I guess summer's the last collection because they're spring, then summer. That'd be a year. So they either announce it now and they tease it for summer, or they announce it with the summer collection and release it after the free content stops. My gamble was they're probably going to announce it with the spring ones. They can roll it out right when they stop doing free stuff. wasn't that big of a secret. It wasn't that impressive of a prediction, but it did happen, so... Pat myself on the back. It's the best prediction I've gotten so far. You're actually far. doing it. I actually did it. Um, but yeah, it's uh, the surprise to me is not so much that there was DLC. It's the substantialness of this <laughs> DLC. Because I'm tight. <laughs> All right. Just going to pause while you sneeze. Let every listener soak it in. But yeah, it was uh, – I didn't mean like that. But yeah, that sounds bad. Uh, but no, it was like a substantial DLC pack. It was more than I think I, – I don't know. Like First of all, the gear itself is pretty substantial for free. 100 new items, new rank X. But the Octo expansion, I mean, it was revealed with probably the longest walk down a dingy subway train I've ever seen, set to some very yeah, interesting, weird music. But I kind of like the music, to be honest. But it it did have a lot of content to back up that very long walk. I mean, we're talking 80-plus new missions and levels when you compete in the expansion, all single-player. It's uh, You take on the role of this character named Agent X, who's or Agent 8, excuse me, who's an Octoling. Don't know its gender. They keep saying it. Looks like a girl to me, but who who, who am I to say? <laughs> and as you as you make your way through these missions, you start learning the backstory and apparently some interesting, potentially scandalous details about characters you know from the main Splatoon two story, like all the shopkeeps and the various pop stars and what have you. So it seems like they're really going all in on the lore, and they're going all in on the like just the crazy. Because the thing that reminds me, the thing this reminds me of most, watching that footage after the seven minute long subway train walk was uh how much it feels like what Nintendo did for Mario Galaxy 2 after Mario Galaxy 1. Like, the core concepts and mechanics are down pat now with Splatoon and Splatoon 2. So now it's time to go a bit crazy. So, like, the Octo expansion, that means they did things like have giant flying GameCubes in space and Game Boy Colors in the background. Or they, like, had Pearl and Marina p- appearing as Biggie Smalls and Tupac randomly. Did you see that comparison? Yes. Someone's like, oh, yeah, one has the crown, one has the bandana, just like Biggie and Tupac, same exact positioning and everything. And then one of the developers of Splatoon on Twitter basically was like, yeah, good catch. Like he retweeted or acknowledged it or did something that's kind of like, yup, that's true. So like they're just going like kind of wacky with it now. And 
I think the freedom that they've reached where they could be like, oh yeah, let's do like weird flowing GameCubes and random 90s hip hop references means in addition to the levels being tougher, which they've already gone on record saying they will be, probably means they're going to be a lot more creative and interesting and different. Not like the original ones weren't. They were all kind of out there, but this just seems one step further. And with that toughness, should you prefer not to be good enough to beat it? It's not really a preference. It's just if you're not good enough to beat it, um, you can actually skip the levels just to progress the story and learn what's up with all the characters. So I don't know how the level skipping worked, but it's a feature they're touting. I guess it's the Funky Kong mode of uh, Splatoon 2's DLC. I don't know. But once you do beat it, you do get the option to play as an Octoling in multiplayer, which is kind of cool. I mean, it's just a cosmetic change, but still kind of a neat reward that lets you flaunt that you beat these really tough or skipped these really tough 80 stages very much like you do with an achievement or a trophy. So it's kind of neat. But You know what I'm surprised by? Hmm. Or maybe they did and I missed it somehow, but that there was no mention of any Salmon Run. That's because there was no mention of any Salmon Run. You did not miss it. It was really? not there. That doesn't wow. mean they're not going to do it. That kind of that's that kind doesn't of mean they're not going to yeah, do it. Yeah, but it's been a long time and all we've gotten is two stages. Well, yeah. it was always a side mode, but yeah, you would think the DLC would actually boost Salmon Run. Cause because that's, that's my favorite mode. I felt like that was like the most interesting mode of all the new ones that I felt needed to get expanded along a lot. And once I reached professional ranking, it was like, oh, that's it. Yeah, it's a good question now that they you mention just, it. Like, that's it. I have literally no reason to play it. Like, So that means you're not yeah. gonna, the DLC is not going to convince you? Um, you don't want to do the single player? It's, well, it's pretty maybe. hefty. I mean, I usually care. I mean... I do like the competitive side of Splatoon, but not enough to get into it. But I do like the the single player side, so I'll probably get it just to play the single player. Yeah, I, I mean, mean it'd be the it's... first one. Why not be the second one? Huh? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I stopped to finish up the regular single player. What a surprise! But uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, you beat part one, so you might as well. I, I, what? Wait, you, you mean you didn't? I, I, I'm get, let me just say, I have plenty of time till this thing comes out. The DLC comes out this summer. My guess is July 13th, because that's arbitrarily the same day that the Pro Marina Amiibo 2-pack comes out. And why would they release a 2-pack and dress one of them like Tupac and then not do it on the same day? I'm just saying. But um, knowing me, who knows if I'll actually get it done by then. But I like to think right now in this recording on uh, Saturday, March 17th, to be posted on Sunday, March 18th, I can say that by July 13th, I in theory could potentially beat this. Well, beat the, five days from now, this might not be true anymore. Beat but single player now, mode for part two, and I'll accept your friend request. Oh, that's all it takes. I only get to level ten. Interesting, interesting. But yeah, it uh, it seems like this would be more motivation. Motivation because <laughs> first of all, the original um single player mode is only like thirty stages, right? This is eighty, something like that. Yeah, yeah, and this is eighty. So I mean, if I can beat the thirty, I'll for sure buy the eighty because that's a good value. I mean, it's twenty bucks. And you yeah. get like triple, it, it, more than triple it, it the content, it, yeah, or it more than double the content. Sorry, I see, like those twenty bucks definitely feel more than worth the content. And I yeah. do like that it's like nicely split between single player stuff and multiplayer stuff. The DLC, yeah. Well, I mean, well, well I mean, Octo expansion is all single player. No, I know, I know. But you mean well, the well, yeah. Because, well, I the mean, collection, it's, still, it's yeah. still DLC. That's true. So, yeah. yeah, all the free stuff like the maps and the gear will continue, and then this is on the side. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I, I'm, yeah, a thing just pretty much opposed to the fact that like, oh, here's twenty bucks. Half of it is all the accessories and stuff, and here's like four. Yeah, I, I get what you mean. It's kind I, of, I, I, I like that they're going all in on this meaty single player stuff and the multiplayer stuff. It's like they treated, they definitely treated it as separate stuff. It, it's very much how Zelda handled its DLC. Same I price, mean, same concept of expanding the main story. I mean, story. the fact that you could play as an, as an Octoling and multiplayer wasn't even like the point of it. It was, like, it was just a nice little, yeah. yeah. And I do like, like, there's, I don't know why vaporware maybe i don't know how to describe the vibe going on in the octo expansion like vaporware you know that like 80s 90s like 
throwback. It's like an amalgamation of like 80s, 90s tech and culture and like fashion. It's all kind of, that's what vaporware, quote unquote, or not vapor, yeah, not vaporware. There's a different name for it. Vaporwave? Vaporware is when something never shows up, but something like that. That's what this has. <laughs> that's what the look of this is. And it is kind of cool look. So yeah, if I get through and, you know, do the, do the thing. I'll, I'll get it. And I also think we're probably going to see more DLC come out 20 bucks. Like I guarantee when Mario Odyssey gets its Isle Delfino kingdom or whatever, that's probably going to be this nice $20 price tag that Nintendo seems to be selling on. And it'll probably be a comparable amount of content for its game, like the ratio. So we'll see. I mean, you know, it's a, a third of the game's original price gets you more than double the single player content. So that's, that seems like a good value. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, we were talking about gear. I, I don't really have a transition. I'm just going to say it. Nike. You know about this? Yeah, the Splatfest. Yeah, so for those who don't, because you don't live in Japan and don't keep up with Japanese Splatfest and Splatoon news, um, I'm shocked this hasn't happy before, happened before, but Nike shoes are now in Splatoon as part of Splatfest. You can vote between a new Air Max or an existing popular Air Max, which is the dumbest poll. Like, do you like our new one or do you <laughs> like our classic? It's like, what? what? <laughs> but... But more broadly speaking, how clever is it that finally actual clothing and shooting shoe brands are going to be in Splatoon? Like, I could see them... I mean, they've had those fake Yeezys. Yeah, but now they have know, real yeah. Nikes. <laughs> no, but I, I wish pre- they had That Yeezy. is pretty cool. Like, just wait till they, like, go full, like, streetwear on this. Like, Bape shorts or antisocial <laughs> social club hoodies or, supreme like, Supreme... Shoe. Yeah, Supreme anything. Just put a red rectangle smack in the middle of anything in Splatoon and its value will shoot up. But it's... Yeah, they could... And then... They could flip it around and sell it in real life. Like you could have, oh jeez, yeah. Like there, there is a Venn diagram of hype beasts and Splatoon players, and whatever that little piece in the middle where they overlap is, that could totally be targeted with a real like drop of to, real. I have things. to go to those drops. Yeah, I mean it's easy money promotion, everything for those involved. So, but I wouldn't be surprised if the reason I bring this up in the context of the DLC is I wouldn't be surprised if after, um the free DLC stops after Nintendo's one year is up and they're doing paid DLC. They continue to put out free content and free gear, but it becomes like branded gear. Cause this is now the third brand cross promotion in Splatoon. They've done McDonald's, they've done Uniqlo, they now are doing Nike. If these take off, why not just make it regularly available items you can get opposed to just Splatfest things? Like you get the Nike shoes, that's cool. You can wear them on your pink lane, but only the, the one you vote for in the Splatfest and then that's it. Like what if they were a real thing for a permanent amount of time? So could be again easy money for nintendo at that point but but yeah no easy 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 splatoon shoes are never gonna happen because they're with nike now and that's adidas and it makes me sad but we said the knockoffs yeah so i do have those i am wearing those on my inkling because of course i am oh i can i don't think i could ever pull off yeezys in real life but i could for sure pull it off in a video game where i'm a squid you could probably um pull the pull off the power phase ones that just came out today Oh, look at you. So on top of things. It's almost as if you care about these things and aren't just flipping them for money. No, I do. Uh-huh. Yeah. The Power Phase ones I actually was looking at, they're, they're solid black. I think I could pull it off. Yeah, they, but, they, they look like normal shoes. Like, even I was actually like, huh, I might get them for myself. I mean, they're only 120 bucks. They're easy to get. You can still buy them right now. Wait, what? Yeah. Oh. They're, they're, uh, they're, so it must be a great episode. I'm Jason. He's... <laughs> they're not for resale. Like, resale is like 170 Oh. So, Wait, on resale, how much are they not resale? 120 they were so off track. Uh, oh. I'll take a look after we record. I happen to have gotten into streetwear culture. I yeah, I just got myself a Supreme shirt that I'm actually going to keep. Wow, 110 bucks. Yeah, so we have a friend 
there's a group of like six of us guys that are like our core group and we have a friend who's in streetwear and i've watched over the last two years as everyone has slowly <laughs> fallen into this sand pit like quick sand pit that is just dragging everyone down into streetwear culture how long did you stand in line when you were at bape oh god um 15 hours yeah that's what i mean it's slowly dragging us all down so so one day this won't be around nintendo this yeah. will be have random you, haven't even sit in line in for something nintendo or Ninja turtles related for that long yeah yeah I remember when we did the Smash Invitational and you were mad about having to stand in line for six hours. Now you're doing 15 like it's nothing. Yeah. You've changed, man. You've changed. But <laughs> but anyway, um, though, yeah, it's nice that Nintendo at least has something for us hype beasts <laughs> with, yeah. with the Splatoon stuff. So we'll see. But while I don't we're on know the... why, but I would like Splatoon to add backpacks and, sh- and messenger bags. Just that would like, actually be kind of smart. Just so your inkling can have them. Either walk around the plaza, but then they're like out of sight when you're in multiplayer hey they're gonna need new content I mean, why eventually not? why I mean, not you have to accelerate them even more it could be like a stone island messenger bag oh god so here we go <laughs> he's name dropping uh you know while we're on the topic of clothes well, you can... run for like 330 something bucks oh yeah you just know <laughs> off the top of your head no big deal uh while we're on the topic of clothes this is actually a good transition you created for us let's um switch out streetwear here let's switch over to like polos and sweatbands and headbands because let's talk about mario tennis so cream actually dropped some tennis balls two weeks ago are they Mario Tennis Aces? Maybe. They're all white. No, no they're not, and it's not relevant, and I'm just going to end that there. No, but did they really do tennis balls? Yeah. How much are they going for? Um, Not as much. They're like 60 bucks. 60 Actually, yeah. I don't know what standard tennis ball price is, so I'm going to be like... Like a dollar? I can get the entirety of Mario Tennis I mean, Aces I mean, for $60. I mean, you could buy them. I mean, if you had bought them when they came out, you you would have paid like 16 bucks for them. Oh. So, I mean, you make 50 bucks if you sell them. I mean, normal tennis balls go for like a buck or three bucks. Right. Impact of three, so. Well, can anyway. anyone tell I don't play sports because I'm like, are $60 tennis balls reasonable and they're $1? <laughs> wow. But anyway, yeah, Mario Tennis Aces. <laughs> tennis um, balls are probably the cheapest kind of sports balls you could buy. And I just didn't know. I mean, when I when I sport, I like to just sit and watch other people play it, so. You know, like opening those soda can containers they come in they basically. come in soda can containers I thought they came in like well like... they come in plastic tubes but to right. open the tube it's like a soda can opener I had no idea so maybe I shouldn't be I mean, playing like, Mario like, Tennis I... and I should instead be trying real tennis I mean I was in varsity tennis in high school oh so. that's why you yeah. know okay I was in varsity nothing I was in varsity sitting <laughs> so I was pretty pretty damn good at it but uh I mean I would have said varsity writing at least I mean isn't that what you were that's true I did decide in the day, back then yeah but yeah. but Mario Tennis we're going way in the weeds. Mario Tennis Aces. Um, when you, I mean, maybe people could keep that. And they're like, forget it. Okay. Wow, you got, I, I, I broke him. I broke him. <laughs> Actually, I didn't break you. The streetwear broke you, you yeah, beast. Uh, yeah, so you just started regurgitating <laughs> so many numbers that you just malfunctioned. But yeah, uh, Aces. Aces. I've been trying to start for three minutes now. Mario Tennis Aces. Um, I actually think coming out of the direct, I don't know about you, but coming out of the direct, I feel like I was actually more excited about Mario Tennis Aces than I was going into it, which is weird. And it's not just because Chain Chomp is a playable character. That makes sense. They explained the new I know, but mechanics the, of the game that feel like it makes it a lot deeper than what's before. What's weird is it also comes off very gimmicky looking, but I love it and it does make it deeper. But at surface level, it's like, oh, they're slow-mo and you speed up. and it, But like, so first of all, Chain Chomp, because I was about to say that. How great is it that Chain Chomp's not playable? Like, I like why? that they really has, have no limitations. He has no arms, he has no legs, he has no hands, but he's playing tennis that, and he's that good at it. That almost feels like someone at Nintendo was like, you know, we really need to push ourselves. Like, who who looks like they can't be a character at all? Yeah. And then they're like, I mean, they've had Goombas play in Mario Baseball. Yeah. Like, they're bats. But at least they the have... Bats, no, they don't. They no, don't. I was going to say, at least they have legs so they can run oh, the bases. Yeah, Chain but, Chomp yeah, is but a they're ball. batting and catching. Uh, oh, 
That's questionable. Exactly. At best. The, their gloves and best is levitating, in case you're wondering. I or they hold them actually, with their mouth. At least Chain Chomp holds it in his mouth, yeah. But, like, I mean, I, th- I think it's Nintendo just being like, follow your dreams. That's really what I think the takeaway here is. But, uh, yeah, besides Chain Chomp, it, the, the whole game looks great. And um, they actually had the longest segment of anything in the Direct. I mean, it they had a call minutes. out on the description of the Direct itself. That's like. true. And yet, as I was saying, they instead dropped Smash on us out of nowhere. But, yeah, it was during those six minutes of the longest segment of the Direct that I began to seriously question how Aces came from the exact same developer as Ultra Smash on Wii U. Because, I mean, in Ultra Smash, the entire hook of the game was, it's normal tennis, but, like, you sometimes get really big. (laughs) And in this one, it's like, it's normal tennis, but we added three types of shots. And one of them has an aiming reticle, and one of them is in slow motion, and one of them does tricks, and one of them does really good tricks, and you have to use all of them in tandem. Like, it's just so much more creative and interesting. And it really, as you were saying before, while I was saying it, it does at surface level scene gimmicky it really does add a second layer of depth which is kind of cool yeah the way it's so yeah do you want to yeah, for those who don't know you want to describe it yeah, the way that it's coming across to me now is more, actually more like a fighting game which is really interesting because now just like fighting games you have your health meter which is mm-hmm. like your which they call the energy meter in this case yeah which is like your your racket's health meter because once your health oh, you meter goes, yeah. yeah but then your energy meter is like the meter on the bottom of fighting games that you build up to use your super moves and that meter goes up and down when, when when you spend your super moves and you build it by doing trick shots and trick shots are trick shots are at first I thought they're going to be gimmicky shots that that you do the animation and then it hits them automatically yeah. but it turns out that the animation is what you're putting up what you're risking because Mario will do let's say a very <coughs> overreact like um a yeah. very overreacted backflip and that takes like two seconds to pull off so you actually have to do the backflip like two seconds ahead of the when the ball's going to get to you so you can actually hit it if you hit it you build up a ton of meter you miss it well then you just miss it and you don't get your meter back yeah, yeah. and the meter once you fill it up you could use it to use something called a zone shot which is basically everything freezes and you have like a few seconds to aim your shot anywhere you, you want you literally have a first person shooter style aiming rack yeah. just smack in the screen and it'll go super hard if your opponent tries to retaliate um, they'll either get their bat broken if they don't hit it right they Back could it. carry it perfectly and return it or they could use their zone defense so I forgot what it was called I believe it's called zone speed zone speed I have all the names here so essentially you build your meter to use the zone shot so that you could try to get an easy point or you could save your meter so you could use your zone speed to block someone else's potential zone shot. But Yeah, so the zone speed, you basically go into slow-mo and it gives you extra time to perfectly Yeah, so your bat doesn't break because yeah, you're back. You're rack, you're it's third time you've done that. <laughs> you mo- said you played varsity tennis. I know, but you don't even know what sport I, I've had Mario Baseball in my mind since I mentioned it. Right, fair enough. But... Yeah, your racket. Yeah, because your racket has its own health bar. It's like three bars. Yeah, three bars. And then was they made an interesting comment in the director. They're like, if your racket breaks, it's an instant game over unless you have another. I'm like, wait, so there are lives in the <laughs> tennis match? Because that's very Mario, if that's the case. But yeah, and then there's... So you're saying there's the trick shots, and there's also the special shots, which are... Yeah. So there's trick shots, which are just like, well, the ones you say we have to yeah, time it. Then there are special pretty much, shots. You're pretty much risking missing a shot by yeah. doing, yeah, the animation. But yeah. Yeah, so the animation is the special shot. Then there's regular trick shots that are smaller animation. But you can only do a special shot if it's your meters meters closer or full, so you can yeah. use it more of it. It's it's a very elaborate. It is really like combos or special moves and regular moves in a fighting game. Yeah, it's that's actually a really good analogy for it. Yeah, it feels but, like a tug of war. Yeah, it's it's because tennis already you kind of it's simple, but you have to think like okay, if I do a lob or they gotta do a slice, you know that sort of stuff. But this is literally like a whole second layer. That's Which is very still much to have your basic tennis mode where it's yeah, just should the you slices, want it. the cuts the. Yeah. Yeah, and it also has, if you really want, it has a motion mode, motion control mode. So if you want to relive Wii Tennis, but without your Mies, 
it's there. You can do it. Like this is a surprisingly robust game considering its predecessor was literally the polar opposite. I, I almost wonder if someone at Nintendo's like, come on guys, how, how was Ultra Smash what it was? And then all the developers were like, whoa, whoa, yeah, we should. And just like crippled down on it. Cause we haven't even mentioned story mode, which is a whole nother component that we still don't know a lot about. There seems to be some sort of dialogue and missions. And we yeah, don't know it looks, like it's on, it looks like it's on a Mario Party board it game. It does. We learned that from the original tease, yeah. But we don't really know how that will fully play out. But that's just another thing on top of this elaborate new system and the basic system and online multiplayer and local multiplayer. There's going to be online tournaments regularly. Where, Which um, is actually starting with one. They're starting one. They're doing like a test fire, global test punch style pre-launch tournament, which that to me is the biggest vote of confidence that the new elaborate shot system is actually going to be good. And Nintendo's like, you know what? We're so confident we're going to give it to you early to try, and we're going to, and we think you're going to love it so much you're going to want to buy the game. That is a huge, that's a huge sign that this thing's going to be fun. I think because they don't do that for the games that don't like they didn't do like, hey, come play Ultra Smash on your Wii U a month before it comes out, and we know you'll want to buy it because you would have played the whole game if you did. How many they released that game? I neither can I. <laughs> it was really fun at E3 when I thought it was a ten minute demo and was not an actual <laughs> entirety demo, of sure, the game. I'm like, okay, cool. I want to see what else the is there. The problem is then when you buy the full game, it's about five more minutes of content. You're like, oh, well, so I have fifteen minutes of game. Great, but yeah, it's just it's really they really did a good job, and that um you know with the variety here, and if you do the tournament once it comes out, not just the pre tournament, you'll get exclusive new gear, you'll unlock new characters like Koopa Troopa. Who I was kind of sad wasn't in the initial roster, but that's okay. I got me my chain chomp. Um, but yeah, it's it's really a deep Mario Tennis game, which is a surprise to see after how not deep the last one was. So we'll see. I mean, I'm for sure getting it. If you couldn't tell, it sounds like you're probably getting it too, right? I mean, obviously. Yeah. So June 22nd. June, wow. Okay. But uh, yeah, June 22nd is when it comes out. Which one more pound pound the back is probably the last one. But you asked me in January when they first announced it. When do you think it'll come out? I'm like June. Boom. June. There we go. I mean, Nintendo's predictable once you re- figure out their patterns. The trick is, a year ago, they changed up all their patterns. Once you find the new ones, it's pretty straightforward. But yeah, it's coming in June. Um, it's not the only thing coming in June. Aces will Remember be joining... Remember when games come out on Sunday? I do. Yeah, good old day. Then they moved it to Friday. Which is also I, I mean, Friday's better because you have the whole weekend to play it. Yeah. Like, when they did it on Sunday, it's like, great, I have an afternoon. And then work or school. I do like that. You didn't have to wait to get out of work to get the game, though. That's nice. But on the flip side, you could go at lunch. I picked up Kirby Star Allies at lunch during my lunch break. Why'd you buy that game? I'm just kidding. Well, we'll have full impressions of it in our next episode for everyone. Well, to find I guess out. I will know why. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, that's the whole point. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I mean, it's Kirby. I like Kirby. I know it's getting eh, reviews, but we'll see. But yeah, um, in terms of future games in the direct, Aces, like I started to say, isn't the only game in June. Here's an actual legitimate surprise in the direct, like a real one, not one that we predicted, not one that was rumored, something that came out of nowhere. Two weeks before Mario, Mario Tennis Aces comes out, on June 8th, we will be getting Sushi Striker, The Way of Sushido, on 3DS, as previously announced, and in a twist, on the Switch. So, it's kind of surprising, it kind of totally makes sense, because, you know, once you see how much higher the produ- production values now are, compared to what we saw at E3 a year ago, all the art's hand-drawn, um, there's full anime cutscenes, there's custom theme song... Like, Nintendo's not just going to let that sit on the 3DS when all the core fans have migrated over to Switch. Like, they're going to want to get their money's worth. So I get why it's there on Switch. And I get, you know, the game does look pretty fun. Um, basically, you have these rows of sushi on conveyor belts moving left and right. And all you need to do is line up same colored plates. And then the plates stack. And then you throw the, and you eat the sushi, which just means it disappears. And then you throw all the plates at your opponent on the other side, who's also using the same conveyor belts to match his own colors. Um... 
so it you know that that's literally the whole premise what's kind of interesting is uh, i'm a little confused about the story because it's in a world where sushi is banned they said but they also went on to say that there's a sushi monopoly you must overthrow so if something's banned, how do you have a monopoly on it? Because if there's a monopoly on it, maybe that means people are buying it. for everyone to make it but whoever has oh, the monopoly maybe. because they have the monopoly on it. Maybe. I mean that would explain it. This this is the type of thing that keeps me up at night, you know? Like sushi monopolies are banned. How does that work? But you might be I mean, something. it's kind of like, I don't know, for lack of a better way of describing it, like people are – other companies are forbidden of creating their own Mickey Mouse products because – Oh, so they have, a, they have a patent on sushi. Basically. Interesting. Assuming that that would make sense, that makes sense. Yeah. Store semantics aside, though, um, it will have online local, uh, online multiplayer, local multiplayer, a full story with cutscenes. It seems like a pretty well-rounded package, and I'm all for a good fast-paced puzzle game like that. Like I have no qualms with that. I love Puyo Puyo Tetris, a lot of fun on Switch. But here's my concern: the price of Sushi Striker, which I sort of alluded to earlier. But normally, price like premium sushi. Price like not even pre- price like. I don't even know what sushi now jet can make that be priced like because it, it doesn't make sense. Like normally, price doesn't bother me about a game, but Puyo Puyo Tetris is a thirty dollars game on the eShop, and it too comes with online multiplayer, local play, fully animated cutscenes, ridiculous premise. Like it has all the same components, right? Are they fully animated? Yeah. Oh, okay. So, or oh, they might not be full. I mean, they're like you're they're right. Like, you're right. They're not. Because not even Bomberman were fully animated. You're right. They're they're, they're talking heads and cutouts. And, and then they you're kind right. of move around, like wave a little bit, but it's not. No, you're right. So it's not okay. like Sonic Mania. Right. All right. So I, I take back that part of Poyo Poyo. Maybe that ju- uh, justifies why Poyo Poyo is thirty. It's pretty expensive. And Sushi Strikers forty. Yeah, you you would know. Yeah. Um, okay. It's so really sure. Expensive. Sure. Then oh, is it now? So yeah, let's. <laughs> Let, let's say let's say the animation is making up the ten dollar difference between the three DS version of Sushi Striker and Poyo Poyo for thirty bucks. Sure. Okay. Why is the Switch version fifty dollars and the three DS version is forty dollars? Because they are appreciate saying, the animation even more on an H D big screen. But, it's, but little... they're not drawing it twice. <laughs> they're drawing it once and you know, down resing it for three DS or up or HDifying it for probably down resing it at this point. Like you don't draw in non HD and then HDify, you just draw in HD and you know, and that's with all the... vector based drawings, then they could. But even then, that wouldn't be so hard to do, right? If no. they could just scale because up, right? Because they don't have to, so don't have to redraw, justify ten dollars. They don't have to redraw anything. It's exactly, all, it's all mathematically that's, scaled. That's my point. Like Nintendo has said, has not said there's going to be a difference in content at all. They said it's the same game, I think. So it just seems like a bit of a cash grab to me to charge ten dollars more for the Switch version just because it's the Switch. It's the same game. I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> like I don't know. Like it, it. It kind of reminds me of the hubris that Sony used to show in like the PS3 days when they thought they still were on top of the world after the PS2. So they do all sorts of outlandish things, and then they slowly were like, oh, oh, we're not, we're actually not doing so hot. Maybe we should <laughs> scale it down. Like this isn't to say that all of Nintendo's actions are that bad. They're really not. Like for the most part, I think they're being reasonable with their Switch game pricing. I mean, some folks are saying Don Kong Country Tropical Freeze shouldn't be sixty dollars on Switch or High Rewards Legends Definitive Edition, which by the way, in the direct. Got released day March twenty, uh, sorry May twenty second. They, they, you know, they're saying that shouldn't be sixty dollars either. But in those instances, I feel like it's more reasonable because they're, first of all, meaty games to begin with, and new things have been added. You know, be it funky mode for Donkey Kong or Breath of the Wild costumes for Higher Warriors or upresing all of Higher Warriors three DS stuff into the Switch. Like, like it just seems, 
I don't know. It just seems like those justify their price. And in the case of Tropical Freeze, I don't even know if the town made their profit or their money back on Tropical Freeze on Wii U. It didn't sell very well. So at least now they can do that. There's their chance. But I think it's only okay because we know there's a lot of content to be had in those games. We know in the case of Donkey Kong, it's already like a AAA release. But Sushi Striker, it's a puzzle game. So like even if they do the animated cutscenes, even if they do all that stuff and they're like, it's $40 of content. You're like, great, $40 of content. And they're like, except over here, it's $50 of content. It's just like, I don't, it's the same content. Where's that $10 going? I don't know. It, it just seems really arbitrary, you know? The price of the cartridge? The other one was download only. Now the other one's getting a cartridge too, though. They're both retail releases now. Oh no. So there goes that theory. <laughs> you see my point? There's no yeah. explanation. Like it just feels so arbitrary. And it's especially weird given that in the very same direct, Nintendo announced ports of Captain Toad Treasure Tracker for both Switch and 3DS. And those are each $40 regardless of platform when they come out on uh, July 13th, I think. So that's a month after Sushi Strikers. It's not even they're like, oh, well, we already set that price. And now we don't want to back out, but we'll start pricing higher for the next game. Sushi Striker comes first, has the weird pricing, and then they do the reasonable pricing a month, month later. And here's the thing about Captain Toad. They, too, have the same content across versions, which is the entirety of the Wii U version, also priced at $40 when it came out, plus new levels based on the Super Mario Odyssey Kingdoms, which is cool and basically a free bonus because the game's priced exactly the same. So how come that is done correctly but Sushi Striker isn't I don't get why I like Sushi Striker somehow more on Switch when Captain Toad with additional content is still cheaper and on both systems at the same price it just strikes me as weird I don't know That that's my little rant I, every so often I do one of these that was today's I, I will say though I do love Captain Toad coming to Switch I think the extra exposure to a larger audience is great because like it's by far the most charming game on Wii U in my opinion and I love like I love how Pixar-esque it is I love like this little headlamp that scruffy voice he's like the perfect cartoon character and i yeah i didn't i never thought i'd double dip in, with a game after uh Mario yeah, Kart he's gonna end up as an assist trophy in smash Brothers. oh can you imagine his little character that'd be great no, but no be like seriously i never thought i would double dip on a switch on kevin a hart? Wii U, what <laughs> voiced by kingdom heart no by kevin hart okay oh oh yeah that's right the mario movie plan but um yeah, I didn't think I'd double dip on a game after Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. I thought that'd be the only Switch game because, you know, the multiplayer element you want on Switch. But, ooh, it's it's very tempting to get on to get Captain Toad again just for those Odyssey levels and just because it's so adorable. Even the 3DS version is kind of cool. They're actually putting stereoscopic 3D in, which they don't do for any games anymore. Yeah. And yet, and yet, still cheaper than Sushi Striker. Well, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, what, what about you? Are you getting either of these? Nope. Do you have any interest in... Nope. I beat Captain Toad, pretty happy with it. Um, a few additional levels isn't worth the title, the total price, because the total price implies that, oh, I guess you haven't really played it. Or you want to play it again on the go. I don't know, I mean, it, it was fun, but I don't think it's fun enough to replay No, that's again. fair, yeah, that's fair. Because, like, a lot of those puzzles, like, some of them are like, oh, cool, you figured it out, or how to get through, and it's like, when you, when you have to do those kind of puzzles the second time, it's that's not... That's true. There's no sense of discovery. It's just more like, oh, okay, I have to do that. I mean, I don't remember most of the puzzles. First of all, ready for a shock, I might not have beaten it. But What? I, who, what? But no, more to the point, um, I don't remember. Like, maybe as I'm going through them, they'll come back to me. But I think I, it'd be like rediscovery for me a lot. But I haven't committed to buying it. I just am very close to wanting to buy it. So we'll um, see. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's one of those games that I'll get maybe if it was like 10 bucks on Black Friday. Is that how you feel about Sushi Striker too? 
I'm probably not even going to consider Sushi Striker. I do love me a good fast-paced puzzler. The... I don't know, I'm very picky when it comes to puzzles. The only puzzle games like that that I've really only enjoyed is Tetris. Oh, that's that's pretty much it. Like not even the puzzle league game. You don't like or... puzzle Pokemon Puzzle Challenge on Game Boy Color? One of the best games on Game Boy Color? I didn't get it. Um I played, oh, well, then how I, you I played Puzzle League style <laughs> games and I don't they're fun enough. Like I enjoy Puyo Puyo but not right. enough to buy. Right. It's like Tetris is the only one that I'm that I feel I like. Yeah, that's to reasonable. Buy. Everyone has Which is the only reason I would consider buying Puyo Puyo Tetris. 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 Yeah, yeah, that's fair. But I still didn't even get it. So Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Like, I didn't think I'd be buying a port, but Captain Toad... It, it's hard to resist Captain Toad. He's always right for adventure, so... Oh, God. I, I should just leave. That was bad. That was dumb. But speaking of ports, they really are... They that really are the name of the game Borderline Lustful. What? That sounded borderline lustful. It... I... I may be <laughs> Captain Toad curious. I don't know. But, <laughs> but yeah, it, um, it, it's just funny that Nintendo's even doing the whole port thing so much now. Because, like, the name of the game when it came to, like, this Direct was basically ports. Not just first party, but also third party. Uh, the difference is none of the ones from third parties were ever on Wii U or, in some cases, on Nintendo systems ever. I mean, the one I'm personally most excited about third party-wise that came out of the Direct is probably the Switch version of Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy. Hits on July 10th. Um, that that's the thing it's doing, and uh, as a good little Nintendo fanboy, I mean, wumps its way to Switch <laughs> on July 10th. Sorry, you're right. I need to use the proper lingo. Gaming icon Crash Bandicoot wumps his way to the Switch July 10th. But uh, yeah, as, wah, are you waiting for? That's what he does. Does oh yeah, does he? Yeah. He's, he's, he goes wah. You're right. In a higher pitch voice. You're right. You're right. I, I'm not gonna try to. Imitate I should it. just you know I should quit the podcast and just go do announcing for Nintendo Directs. I'm pretty much doing that already by summing these all up but uh yeah the, the thing about crash at least for me it's more a personal thing but as the good little nintendo fanboy that i am i never actually owned any other game platforms meaning i never got to experience the original crash games like back in the 90s for i, I think the longest i got crash play, bandicoot I'm, warped is so fun i, I love that game. That's the third one yeah it's the, the third one i think cortex's revenge is the second one it's not called cortex's revenge it's called something else yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, the second one. Yeah. Um, but no, I the longest I ever played a Crash was, I think, remember Blockbuster used to let you rent Last of Cortex was a GameCube one. Yes, it was. And it wasn't quite the same. They kind of tried to no, modernize it. It's a little different, yeah. Yeah. But, but do you remember back, like, Blockbuster way back in the day used to let you rent game consoles as well as games? Uh-huh. So there was, like, once or twice I'd rent a PS1 and Crash and Spyro. And that's the most I've ever experienced Crash. So to be able to play the first three games and have them on my TV or portable or whatever, it's it's very tempting. I mean, did so you you clearly played Warped. I played part one and three to their completion. Is it part good? two, I never really played. Is it good? Because again, I've never played more than like they're a rental fun, from but they're, I mean, but they're pretty. I mean, they're they're just challenging. They're definitely a lot harder than most people would expect. Really? And the people that have played them know that they can get really challenging. You're trying to scare me away from them? No, but I'm just saying that they're. <laughs> In difficulty, they're probably somewhere between like Donkey Kong Country two and three. Oh, I love Donkey Kong three though. So yeah, I beat that. That's one of the games I actually beat. I got a free copy from Nintendo for Game Boy Advance. I, I played it on a free micro I got from Nintendo. Yeah, I mean, it, maybe it's to the detriment of the game, but like there are a lot of times where I guess that perception might work against it. But you know, it sounds like it should be on 3ds. Yeah, <laughs> it's like the one game where Nintendo's like, "Hey, scaroscopic helps," and then it never comes to the system. But it is the first time that Crash has been on a Nintendo system in this purest form of Crash. Well, so. yeah. well I, I love Part 3 and Part 1 is fun. 
Part two, I'm sure, is great. I just never got around to playing it. I hope, I hope that uh, Amazon screws up again. They were selling the game at twenty five dollars pre orders by accident, like last week, a couple times. I hope they do that again because that sounds like a bargain. But it's also kind of interesting, just beyond it being crashed on Nintendo system. There are some Nintendo roots in Insane Trilogy specifically. Like the original remaster for PS4 was developed by Vicarious Visions, who kind of cut their teeth on Nintendo platforms, doing the Tony Hawk ports, uh, mainly on Game Boy Advance and DS. Then they jumped over to Guitar Hero on Wii and did those. They are. That's where they got their start, I believe, and they went from there. Um, you know what? Let me double check that. I know they did the later ones, and I know for sure they did the DS, but now you got me second guessing the Game Boy Advance one. But anyway, they went on after the Tony Hawks to do um Guitar Hero on Wii. They did the weird two uh, I almost said two DS, the weird DS Guitar Hero. Remember that where you like played the cartridge? Yeah, where you played the cartridge slot. Good times. That was fun. It was fun. It's just very weird. Um, Tony Hawk Pro Skater Two was oh apparently we're not gonna take it. It was by Carrot Vision. I was right. Yeah. There you go. But I, I saw what you did there, by the way. But yeah, that was like their big breakthrough. I and then it. so they did the original remake, which is kind of a neat little like, oh look, Nintendo people moving on up. But that or Nintendo partners moving on up. But then they also did the Skylander games for a while, and those were on Nintendo systems. Like Vicarious Visions, up until Crash, has pretty much been a pre-Nintendo friendly developer. So it's kind of interesting to see their game come back. And then what's also kind of funny is the guys handling the Switch port of Crash uh, Insane Trilogy, Toys for Bob, also have a history of making games on Nintendo platforms. In fact, way back when Nintendo used to be a daily news site that I'd write daily stories for, in the early Wii days, we as a website, not me personally, actually interviewed the Toys for Bob team or one of their head developers about what was then the upcoming Tony Hawk's Downhill Jam, a racing spinoff of Tony Hawk for the Wii, if you remember from like back at the launch. And we, we talked to Toys for Bob, and they're like this new developer making this new experience, and now here they are still being a big part of Activision Nintendo plans. They did a lot of Skylanders on Nintendo after Vicarious Visions moved on, and now they're doing Crash. So it's kind of a funny little, like, even though this is a very PlayStation thing to have happen, everyone involved with it pretty much cut their teeth on Nintendo platforms. So it's kind yeah. of like a little coming home, a little homecoming. It's funny, though, because, like, after the first three, I mean, they had they still had Crash Bash, Crash Team Racing for PlayStation exclusively, but yep. then... Um, Eventually, Crash has had so many games. I think he had like two or three on the Game Boy Advance, and then there yep. was one that was like almost a Pokemon style, like red oh, version. Yeah, 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 I remember that. And then there was like a yeah. Spiral collab. Yeah, there was one Crash. So, so I, what happened was like there was one Crash in Trance, Crash. I forgot. Yeah, it's because Activision. I think one about of the Game Boy Advance ones. There was they're actually really, really good. They somehow found a way to. Well, the funny thing about Crash is that <coughs> even though it's a three D platformer, like ninety percent of the time you're running towards the screen away from the screen or left yeah. to right you're never running like mario in 360 it's always a narrow path yeah like it's always a very narrow path so to turn that into a 2d side scroller it's like almost a no-brainer like everything transitions over yeah so that's yeah, pretty it, cool. it all happened when like they brought game but they brought gamecube when uh, i think universal games which is no longer a thing used to make crash yeah. and spiral oh, see crash and spiral universal ones yes and those were published by sony and developed by universal i think but universal owned the ip universal got bought by activision or got rebranded and became activision or something like that happened where activision got the ip and then they're like let's just milk this thing so they threw it everywhere you know it's on every system and then the quality went down, so they stopped for a while. I mean, I guess the quality didn't go down, but the sales went down, I should say, because it sounds like they were still good games. Sales went down. Yeah, I mean, I like they overexposed Cortex, the franchise. Yeah, yeah. How, how's this for a shock? Activision overexposing a franchise. Who would have thought they'd ever do that? But yes, yeah, so they did that. They stopped the games for a while. They rebooted Spyro as Skylanders, obviously, and Crash just kind of 
disappeared until Insane Trilogy was announced at PS4 exclusive last year. And now that exclusivity is up, and here he is on Switch in his purest original form. So, it's funny because when they announced Crash on PS4, they never said it was exclusive. It was just like... Well, they sort Crash. of implied it because Naughty Dog, which they, works exclusively with Sony, was... Because uh, they were saying like first on contract. PS4. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 There's just something that implied that it was going to come out on other oh, yeah, yeah, later. Yeah. And, they, and they are taking out some stuff because Naughty Dog, they didn't develop it or have anything to do with the new one. But Naughty Dog did, I think, consult on it a little. And there are some PlayStation-specific references, Naughty Dog references, that they're now oh, pulling yeah. out. Like there's a... Some uncharted reference at some point that's not in the Switch version and stuff yeah, like it's that. Yeah, just so. Coco watching a video on her laptop. Right, that's what it is. Yeah, because in the Uncharted games, you hear you can actually you, play a level of Crash. Yeah, you hear Nathan playing Crash on the and TV. then you can play it. And they what's crazy about that is they recreated that level of Crash in the un, uh, Uncharted engine. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's like a grafted over thing. It's kind of nuts. But what I'd love to see besides just Crash, since we're talking about Crash and his history with Nintendo, I think it'd be great if it's a long shot. I think it'd be great if he was in Smash Bros. Honestly, now like hearing, yeah, I it mean, does kind of work. I mean, he fits. Yeah, it feels he, like a fit. he fits in. It really plays out the whole mid '90s console war. I mean, frankly, the fact that we have original it'd be, Crash it'd be games, like Sonic, it'd be yeah. like Mario Sonic. And yeah, Crash. and like just if you just think about it, the fact that Switch... just give us Banjo and I guess he could represent Microsoft because that's like their best platforming mascot that they have going for them. You know, I do have a thought about Banjo. Actually, there was a tweet from I uh, I want to say Phil Spencer, the guy that runs Xbox yeah, these days. Oh, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So basically, for those who don't... Like he would love to see him. Yeah, basically, he's like, hey, we've never had IP issues with Nintendo. We'd love to see Banjo be there. And honestly, it's win-win for Nintendo. Because here's the deal. If they make an N64 classic, which they probably will, uh, like a classic edition, you can't not have the Rare games. I mean, you can, but then there's only like 12 games. <laughs> Rare was a huge part of N64's history and significance in yeah, the gaming culture. The Jet Force Gemini. Yeah, Banjo-Kazooie, Day Kong Racing, uh, GoldenEye, all of them. Yeah. So perfect dark. So it's, it's almost like six, seven games. Yeah, and on a system where you only had six or seven released a year, that's a pretty big deal. But um yeah, so if I was Microsoft and Nintendo, we're the two of us are already buddy buddy because of Minecraft. We have Nintendo characters in Minecraft, we have Minecraft We still don't have multiplayer. We still don't have multiplayer, but like they're very these guys are on good terms. So if I was Nintendo or Microsoft back, like, hey, what if We'll go ahead and let you guys use the license for the N64 Classic. You can have all those games and all their code, and we'll take a profit share. And hey, what better way to promote the N64 Classic than also throwing Banjo into Smash Bros? The only reason I can see Nintendo being hesitant is because then it's promoting a Microsoft character, because he's an Xbox character otherwise. But really, like, is that much different than What are they going to do, buy nuts and bolts? Yeah, well, they might reboot it (laughs) off the wave of popularity they that will surge a, out of him being in Smash Bros. They do have you know? an HD port of Banjo-Kazooie yeah. and Banjo-Tooie, which is cool. I wish we had gotten those. That would be nice. And who knows, maybe a partnership deal. Because Microsoft is slowly becoming It's not a remaster, more, though. It's just a... Yeah. yeah. Microsoft, though, is slowly becoming more and more platform agnostic with everything they do. Yeah. So it's not that absurd. No, they, it, it almost seems like they really don't care because like, everything is going to be on PC and Xbox. And their attitude now, which is something that their new CEO, um, I'm blanking out his name, but the guy that came in a few years ago and made Windows. Have they found their niche in the gaming industry? Uh, they're having some trouble with Xbox as a thing. I mean, it's support, supposedly Switch will, uh, Nintendo will surpass Microsoft's market share this year wow. in gaming, which is because Switch is so well, good. Good and thing my, I'm backing the, the Sony boat. Yeah, with... good thing you got PS4 and on Xbox. Well, but, I mean, I haven't I mean Xbox it. is doing I haven't gotten it yet. I mean, we're going to have a. Going to get. Yeah. Three PS4s in a household. To, to be fair, to that's nuts. But to be fair to Microsoft, <laughs> they're not doing bad. They're just not doing as well. Like they're what Nintendo has been at its lower point. But they're still a player in the industry. There's still good games for it. Sea of Thieves is supposed to be really cool. So there's still yeah. stuff. They're the just heavy not. hitters though have definitely. I mean, like obviously, 
I'm only saying this just from people that I know that have Xboxes yeah. because obviously I don't have one. Yeah. But it even seems like they're heavy hitters, like what Halo was at one point, what Gears of War was at one point. Like even the even fans of those franchises don't really seem to care that much. Like I yeah, it's that's, they're, that's they're, huge... they're having trouble. Yeah. Crackdown two is supposed or three or whatever three is supposed to be a big deal, but they delayed it like four times. So. Yeah, yeah. Like I have a friend that's like a huge like Halo fan since the beginning. Yeah, doesn't really care about Halo six. Doesn't really care about what they do. Yeah, with they're it. kind of yeah, a weird they're just, spot. Yeah. I agree. But but yeah, so like I just gonna say like putting Banjo into Smash would certainly give them a boost if they're platform agnostic. Hey, release the Banjo game on Switch too. Who cares at this point? Like Microsoft doesn't. Sonic All-Stars Racing. Yeah, if he's in there, he should be in Smash. Can't believe Wreck-It Ralph was in Sonic All-Stars Racing. That actually, looking back, is really weird. Yeah, like it's clearly just like oh, the movie just came out, but then like four years later, it's like. Oh, this is such a relic of the time because the movie just came out. I guess yeah. they could do it for the new song. Because Creative Tell is it's not John C. Riley voice. Oh, of course, either. yeah. They could do it again with the sequel. Yeah. So. But um, but yeah, I I was gonna say I think Banjo being in Smash isn't crazy. It seems not just because of the platform agnostic thing, but look at Cloud in Smash. Like even Crash in Smash makes sense when you look at Cloud. Cloud had two tiny roles on a Nintendo platform. He's primarily a PlayStation character. He had a cameo in Theater Rhythm, and he had a scene, possibly two in Chain of Memories, Kingdom Hearts, the Kingdom Hearts GBA game. Mm. So if he can make it to Smash, I don't see why Crash or Banjo could. Who's had multiple games on it. Exactly. So, like, I'm just saying, if they want to really go full mid-90s console war, they already did the Super Nintendo era, you know, having Mega Man, Sonic, Mario, and Pac-Man. Or that's late 80s, I guess. If they want to go 90s, Crash, Sonic, Mario, all three of them have games in their prime on Switch. Or coming to Switch by summer with Crash, so like, it just makes too much sense to do. Yeah, Nintendo, they definitely yeah. have the the most potential for best like guest characters to come out on their definitely. game. Definitely, like Nintendo, yeah, and Smash. Smash has whether Nintendo wants to admit it or not, whether fans want to admit it or not, it has become more of a celebration of gaming than of just Nintendo. And mm. personally, I love it as a celebration of Nintendo, but like Bayonetta being there, Cloud being there, Pac Man, Pac Man, Mega Man. Well, the, you could argue Mega Man, and Pac Man have close ties to old Nintendo, like. Even Pac Man Versus was a big game. Yeah, GameCube but Pac Man predates Nintendo. When I think Pac Man, yeah. I think like old school, like, 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 yeah, like yeah. Atari. Era. Or like even just having the Pong paddle Pong, show up sure. as an assist trophy. Like Smash Bros. is a celebration of gaming history now. So throw them in. Why not? Like really, at this point, it doesn't matter. But we digress. We were talking about Switch ports. Somehow <laughs> Crash led us down this road. Um, like Crash was the one that caught my eye. You mentioned before that there are some Bandai Namco ones that caught your eye. Like when you're spying off stuff. At the top about the direct, like uh, Dark Souls, right? Little Nightmares. Yeah. Little Nightmares. I don't know anything about Little Nightmares. What is. I saw the video and I'm like, well, that looks creepy and kind of cool, but what exactly is it? I don't know. It's just a puzzle platformer, kind of like Limbo, kind of like oh, okay. environmental op- like puzzles. It's like, oh, it got to move box, got to figure out how to climb to this shelf. Right. But I guess what's supposed to be the draw there or the reason I'm interested in it is because it's just very creepily atmospheric. Like everything's just very dark and creepy looking, and you have very ugly, wow. like monstrous character designs for like there's like a butcher looking character that just looks really creepy and unsettling, mm-hmm. and he chases after you. Like it's it's, it's like a yeah, it's just supposed to be a scary two D platform. I mean three D, two D yeah two point five D polygonal two D platformer. Yeah, yeah two point five D. And that's why yeah that's why I was curious in getting it. Yeah, I mean but... it look it looks I like the vibe of it, and I think it's nice that the complete edition that Switch is getting has so much. It's like all the DLC. It's two different stories. It's the Pac-Man amiibo support. Like it's getting some stuff, but yeah, yeah. So it's... I'm debating like, huh, should I get her on Switch or should I get that same edition for PS4? But I will I'll lose the Pac-Man amiibo functionality. You know what's weird about Bandai Namco actually? 
they seem to be a bigger supporter of Amiibo right now in the current day than Nintendo, than Nintendo themselves. Like, I don't think Nintendo announced a single Amiibo to hold direct for their own pro- properties. Like, even Pearl and Marina's Splatoon 2 pack is announced was announced like outside the direct instead of in the direct. It's it's strange. Like, I don't know. They even took the Amiibo out of Mario cereal. Did you see that? Yeah. Yeah. So there's a separate alternate box of Mario cereal that just doesn't have the Amiibo. So if you want. If you want to get an Amiibo Mario box, basically you got to do it now is what I'm saying. Like it – and don't worry. There's plenty of them out there. This is the thing I actually find kind of funny is we spent – like so I was at Vaughn's, I don't know, a week or two ago. And the cereal that they had the most bountiful supply of, like the stack of boxes went higher than any other shelf towards the ceiling was Mario cereal. Yet in December, you and I spent multiple – hours of our lives looking for the cereal and that's just that's what we get for wanting to get it when it was released i know i know it's it's like the cereal it went from being like the rarest of amiibo to that stupid mabel animal crossing amiibo that no one can seem to get rid of have you seen that photo of toys r us where they have a wall of just mabel <laughs> animal no. crossing amiibo that's basically what the mario series become but i don't know it, it, i mean we knew i think at the time it was a waste of time to spend that much time i said time like five times i think we knew back in december is kind of a waste of time to spend that much time getting the mario cereal but hey it's here we are now there's even less justification because there's not an amiibo but anyway what i was saying is that it seems like bandai namco is the sole supporter of amiibo as of late because not only do we get the pac-man one in little nightmares like we were just talking about but there's also surprisingly one for dark souls remastered which is very unexpected to say the least i would say to be honest i did not even know for some reason i've never played dark souls i just know stuff about it offhand and from videos i've seen yeah but for some reason i thought that guy or whoever was on the amiibo was like a monty python character that might you thought it was a knight who says knee didn't you i don't know i haven't seen anything well that's 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 what you thought I'm just telling you that's who he looks like. <laughs> is this supposed to be the Tiff but a Scratch dude? Oh, no. That, never mind. That's not that. Well, he's sort of the response. It's all... Like, I know he's they're a, all wearing similar armor. Yeah, Same that's movie. Like, I, I, thought, I thought like one was just like a reference of a Monty Python character that became big enough that it was uh, like thing. No, he's a dude that says praise the sun or does a praise the sun gesture and things happen in the game and you that you unlock... You know, you get this gesture later in the game and it helps you through your journey. I don't really know what exactly it does. I've never played Dark Souls. But with this amiibo, you can now tap it to your controller and he'll do the praise the sun gesture and whatever it does before you unlock it in the game so you can get earlier groovy yeah it's super groovy (laughs) wow we just went back in time but yeah i don't know call me crazy but this amiibo almost gives more credibility to those rumors of bandai namco like doing metro prime 4 and making ridge racer 7 exclusive to switch and all that because like and amiibo is that's taking the relationship to the next level that's a new level partnership between them and nintendo they haven't done and Bandai Namco is also separate from the games we saw in our direct. In the Japanese direct, they also announced that they're doing a Taiko Drum Master for Switch. Like they showed footage and everything. So they're very all in on Switch right now, which to me just suggests they're in because they're doing stuff with Nintendo. They're making Metroid. They're making Ridge Racer. Like it seems, it seems like this is part of a bigger story, and we're just getting a little drip feed of information leading into those announcements. So I think this amiibo is more significant than it seems, even though. You know, it's just a random amiibo that's a GameStop exclusive and whatever. Like, it's actually maybe might have some meaning behind it. So, so Dark Souls, you gotta get it on PS4 or Switch. I don't know because it's like a game that I know 
will probably push this graphics a little more. I'm probably I'm more tempted to get it on PS4 than that anything. Sense. That makes sense. But I mean, the portability. I feel like I don't know. There's, there's something about being able to take your game out. Like I got to play um, during that time that I was waiting 15 hours in line. I did get to play a little bit of Breath of the Wild. And then your battery died on your Switch because it only lasts two hours. It didn't die actually. Oh. I you I was sparing it between I was bouncing back between that and Hearthstone. But basically, it was nice to play like a fully featured like AAA game mm-hmm. anywhere, mm-hmm. and I don't know. But and even Little Nightmares, like I feel like that game lends itself well to a game I could just play on my couch, play on the bed. Oh, totally. Anywhere. Yeah. So that one I may end up just getting on the Switch anyway. But Dark Souls, I mean, if I have a PS4 Pro, I mean, I might as well like just make it look as nice as possible. Yeah, yeah. For a game like Dark Souls, it makes sense. I agree. Yeah. I th- I think it's interesting because um, <coughs> if you look at something like Dark Souls, excuse me, if you look at something like Dark Souls where it uh. You know, you are going for that graphical power. It does make sense on PS4 Pro, but then you look at something like Okami, right? I mean, look at that. that. I mean, that looks that looks nuts. So, for those not knowing <laughs> what he's pointing to, uh, in the background, currently running on the TV, is Horizon for PS4, Zelda. and it and look at that it on looks a PS4 nuts. Pro. On a PS4 Pro, yeah, and look at that lighting, and no one else wow. can see it. Like literally, <laughs> no one, just you and me. But yes, that is very very nice lighting. Yeah. I was watching a promo video for that game, which is funny because I never played it's it. It's funny because if you get rid of that character. Um, like it could almost look like a picture, but yeah, let's not get crazy here. Not quite. <laughs> That's a fit almost. Now, now, Dark Souls, I could see making sense on PS4 like that. And but, well, I started to say some other games. Like if you want, if you want a game that's going for realism, PS4 over Switch makes sense. But I would like something like Okami, which was also announced. I would say because this environment just looks like if Breath of the Wild was on a PS4. That's literally what the Horizon is. <laughs> I mean, not really, but but I started to say is. That does look very nice. You're right. Yeah. But what I started to say is I feel like Okami, because that's a similar thing where it's like, oh, you want the best graphics possible, but it kind of works better on Switch because you don't necessarily need the de- – it's like the texture – like it's not going for realism. So Switch can Yeah, Okami I would you know definitely I mean? get on, on Switch, especially because you get the motion control and the touchscreen controls, which for the – Which is great. It's like perfect. Like that's why I think people – um like the Wii version of Okami was almost like the definitive version just because of how quick and easy it was to create those brush strokes. Yeah, not that it wasn't it was impossible it with a fun- controller, but it just feels yeah. more natural. It is funny how they literally grafted both control options from both Nintendo versions of Okami into the single Okami HD. Because yeah, the touchscreen one was from Okami Den, mm-hmm. and as you were saying, the motion controls were from the Wii version. So yeah, it's I mean it's besides that's a pretty straightforward port, but it is kind of funny that like for months on end we were just like, oh hey, why is Capcom sucking with their Nintendo support? And then they're just like, okay, fine, here's all these ports. And it's like we got Mega Man, we got Street Fighter, now we're getting Okami. I like literally we called out Okami like why is this not on Switch and there's like well now it is but mm. what's nice about Capcom is something interesting to huh. now that you mentioned Capcom yeah um, I was watching because I'm still kind of like like I'm keeping my eye on the that anniversary the 30th anniversary of, of Street Fighter I know Fighter. you're going to say I know you're going to say oh, I know you're going to say you are going to say the 8 player tournament mode in Super Street Fighter 2 is a Switch exclusive feature no? no did you know about that though yes but oh well okay so <laughs> apparently like I'm just like I was watching a video where, like, someone got to play, like, what, like, it's close to the finished build of the game. And I learned that apparently it's, like, a... I guess they're not, like, console ports of the console games. Like, they're literally... Aren't they the arcade? Yeah, that's... They're literally just, like, arcade ports of it, which means that if you want to play multiplayer... Like, there's no multiplayer menu button. Like, you have to start a... I guess a tournament mode or, like, I guess a... What do they call it? Man, wow. Why am I blinking out on the most common thing? An arcade mode. Where you just like start playing computers one by one, and then player two has to press start and goes like new challenger approaching. Wait, 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 wait! Every time you want to play, 
you need to start solo and then have someone hit a button. But yeah, basically, that's great. The first six times, but I'd be going crazy by basically time as of now. They're like that's they're literally arcade ports. Like you just huh. pick the game and it starts up as if it's the arcade machine. Well, it certainly is authentic that way. So on one hand, like okay, that's cool. Like you're gonna get oh, and apparently they're all like the first versions of those arcade ports. Yeah. So for those of you that are like avid Street Fighter three players that want like the most up to date one, it's gonna have the first version, which apparently has like some can exploits, blah 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 stuff that mm-hmm. I don't really know. But the fact that you can't really pick straight up versus off the hand. Yeah. I mean, something that could change, but I guess as of now, like, it was nowhere to be found. Right. I mean, the thing that I guess they're going to add an online mode that has its own online mode. Because Street Fighter 3 was ported on PS3 and Xbox a few years ago. But that was, like, a completely new port done by Ironworks. They had, like, a versus mode. It had an online yeah, it mode. Had it had hand-drawn an arcade graphics mode. in it, too. Yeah. Yeah. But, well, I mean, it was, like... I guess it wasn't really hand drawn. There were there's still sprites. They, I mean, but they had sprites and they had the HDified. Yeah. Oh no, on Street Fighter Three didn't. Only only on Street Fighter Yeah, you're thinking of Street yeah. Fighter Two Turbo. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. It's the same thing with that one. That one was a port that had all those other options, and these right now might not. Maybe it's like to compensate for the fact that you're getting like a bajillion games. I knew there would be a catch. Capcom always does that. I mean, to Capcom's credit, they're porting I mean, everything now, which is great. Yeah, I mean, but so, <laughs> I, I mean, honestly. It doesn't really bother me that much, and honestly, it makes me feel better about my Street Fighter Two like final oh, challenge yeah, purchase. Final challenge. Yeah, because I'm all like, oh, it's gonna suck that there's gonna be like another basically version of it. But it's mm-hmm. not even the same version. This is like the most up to date, quote unquote, balanced version of that game. Right. And this one is like the first one, so right. They're completely different. That's yeah. I it sounded too good to be true because I was thinking like they, they're gonna sell forty dollar final challengers and less than a year later or about a year later I mean, gonna be like here's every other Street Fighter for the same price. So I guess that almost yeah, explains it. Yeah, because only three of them are online or four. No, four of them. Yeah, I yeah. Think like two, it's, it's half of them. Whatever yeah, half like, is. Like two Street Fighter three games are online, mm-hmm. and then one Street Fighter two, two. And one Street Fighter Alpha. Yeah. So yeah, it's oh come on, Capcom. I mean, it, it's it's authentic. I'll give them that. Yeah. I do think the, the gallery player... mode is really cool, and apparently the and I'm really curious to see the they let you go through animations like you can see Ryo do a Hadouken in Street Fighter 2 then see that same animation in Street Fighter 3 and Street Fighter Alpha and you can scrub through it frame by frame mm-hmm. which is really cool so, I, I do think the inclusion of that 8 player mode I was talking about is kind of neat so it's basically like you set up 4 switches they each have 2 people on them and it handles the entire tournament and tells you which switch to walk to and everything it's, it's like, awesome. as if you have 4 arcade machines it's a switch exclusive feature that's something Capcom's doing really well to be honest is only on foot even, yeah even if they're screwing up like how you play multiplayer at least Okami did this Street Fighter's doing this Mega Man's doing this they're doing yeah. switch exclusive stuff Resident Evil kind of does it with Amiibo support like they're doing stuff I mean Mega Man has I think Amiibo levels you can unlock Street Fighter has that mode. Okami has the multiple control options. Like, they're really sort of trying. The one game they just need to do now is Monster Hunter. And, I mean, in Japan, I guess we have Monster Hunter Double Cross, but there's no word of it comes stateside. We were Double Cross. Yeah, it seems that way. And now Monster Hunter World has gone on to be, like, the most successful Capcom game ever released. I'm not exaggerating. Uh, That's pretty cool. Yeah, and it's kind of like, there's no way that's going to run on Switch, I would assume. Mm -hmm. Although, actually, maybe there is a way. Um, setting oh, set to that? low on everything. Set the line, set the settings to very low, and then hope for the best. But no, the the thing I saw the other week now is I think it's before we recorded last episode is the oh, what's his name Adam Malkovich? dude from PlayStation. No, I think it's Adam Boys Boils Boys. He used to work at PlayStation. He was a VP at PlayStation. He left. He formed his own development studio. And on Twitter, he publicly was like, "Hey, Capcom, we'd love to port Monster Hunter Worlds to Switch." This guy's a big player in the game industry that I don't remember the name of. 
so sorry adam boys i think it's boys but uh yeah no just the fact that like there is someone out there like we might be able to get monster Hunter World on switch and capcom's new love of pouring switch you never know it would be kind of cool wouldn't it you'd be you'd love it i'm sure oh man but i mean i already have i already bought it on ps4 i don't even have my own ps4 and i can play it on the go i know i monster hunter monster hunter in general i feel that is best when you could take it anywhere yeah like so would you double dip on this one if it came to switch no because the games are games are already expensive enough as they are that's true and what Would makes, you sell this and, and one what, and get the Switch one? No, because what makes Monster, what really makes Monster Hunter is being able to play with your friends, and They're all, have it, yeah, all my yeah. friends that, that have Monster Hunter have it on PS4. Because the game's been out on PS4 for months now, yeah. Two months I mean, it's now. also on Xbox and yeah. PC. But no, but no one we know has that. Yeah, exa- yeah, exactly. Yeah. Everyone has it on PS4. Right, exactly. I get that. I mean, Our either, good friend um, Jose Gallardo has it on PS4. He sometimes listens to the show. Hi, Jose, if you're listening. Uh, <laughs> either way, I guess regards to Monster Hunter. Sorry we haven't called Christmas call? Oh, well, sorry. Um, you know, just say hi once in a while. Oh, yeah, that'd be nice. Hey, how's it going? There, done. Easy. Easy. I, easy. But no, either way... Um, it ain't easy being easy. I was, was going to say, no, it's not. He had a mental breakdown over it, in fact. Did uh, he? Yeah, like a year ago. Uh, oh. Doing the St. Pablo tour. Oh, we're going back into streetwear and hypebeats. Let's, let's <laughs> back, back, paddle, back pedal hard. Uh, no, I was going to say I can't that. believe he is streetwear... Never mind. He is streetwear I know, incarnate. Yeah. He is the father of every trend <laughs> seriously uh but yeah either regardless of that all i was gonna say is um we talked a lot about a lot about ports thus far we have talked for over an hour and a half it looks like about some new games but a lot of ports but it's probably worth mentioning like it's not always ports i mean to be fair project octopath traveler that was in the direct has a hundred dollar deluxe edition coming out with a pop-up book actually kind of cool the pop-up book but uh, cool. it also lost its project name now it's just octopath traveler are you gonna get it i don't i like the demo but i don't i don't know we'll see as it gets closer i might wait for reviews but okay. that that was shown trash tricks again no more heroes gameplay debut was in the direct it definitely looks like a spin-off it's not the normal no more heroes gameplay but i knew that would be the case because they told us months ago it's a spin-off so i don't know why people are freaking out that it looks different i think it looks fun but the port thing was kind of the centerpiece of the direct so i gotta ask does it bother you at all that we just spent that much time like oh yeah this game and this game and this game except anyone that's on a playstation has played those for months already <laughs> no or are we because like i don't know it, it feels it feels nice that we're getting ports this fast yeah and this many because it actually feels like developers are trying to get their stuff out on the switch to for lack of a better term i have to come up with something else and for lack of a better blah blah i feel like i said that four times already Anyway, I've transitioned with so about twenty times, so you're okay. See, right then, I just did it again. Anyway, because yeah. it feels like they're trying to like just catch us up or just like not. Have... They're trying to catch up to the wave. They're trying to hop on the bandwagon. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, it's cool. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm especially fine. especially with the Nintendo ports because a lot of those are like you have to realize like oh, not many people even had a Wii U. So, oh yeah, 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 I agree because I think I just think that like there was a sense pre. Especially, and honestly, they don't even really feel like ports to yeah. me because I mean we've never had them. Um, and it's I'm in the same they're, boat. They're basically like new games. They're basically brand new. When Doom came out a year later, I mean, it basically felt like a brand new game. Right, and then we got stuff that's kind of even faster, like South Park: uh, The Fractured But Whole. That is seven months after the other versions, and I mean that one we kind of knew was coming anyway. It's been rumored for a while, so I just confirmed. But I think that's actually going to do really well on Switch. Even you know it, it's close enough yeah. and it's doing it's strong. Like the Switch is already kind of becoming an RPG machine primarily. So not only does this game fit into the genre well, but it also offers something very unique compared to every other 
RPG on the system. And in this case, that means, you know, M-rated humor, kind of a, based on a popular franchise, that sort of thing. So it will likely stand out from the pack and be attractive to a lot of people. So I think that'll do great. But yeah, I think in terms of ports in general, if you only own a Nintendo system, it's great because it's just new games, like you were saying. If you've owned a Wii U and it's those ports, it's like, so what? You have other stuff to play. There's plenty to play. I mean, it, there's, yeah, there there's, it's an onslaught. I was saying before, there's seven new games in that. Too like, many games. I know. Like, we didn't even talk about Undertale, for example. That's another RPG that seems right at home on Switch. Also humor, but in a different type of, in a different type of way. Like, it's unique in that it has, like, basically the battles are like bullet hell shooter battles, sort of, but they're in an RPG or something. It's like the attack system. And you could choose, like, to be passive the entire game and never kill someone, or you could, yeah. Play it however you want. Yeah, it's like it's kind of interesting, and it's coming sometime this year. They said eventually in the trailer, but Nintendo Japan said 2018 for sure. Um, and that's another example of like a game that okay, yeah, maybe you played it on Steam two years ago or whatever, but um, now PFP you play, or PS or, or whatever, but now you can play it. Well, PSP threw my point under the bus. I was gonna say now you can play it on the go. Oh wait, Vita, my bad. Either way, you could play it on the go before. But yeah, yeah now. But there's a lot of people that probably didn't play it two years ago, and now we'll get to experience it for the first time. And if those people have played Undertale, then maybe they play South Park, which they didn't get experience. So, you know, there's wiggle room here. What's actually interesting about Undertale is um, it brings over an engine with it called Game Maker 2, which a lot of indie RPGs are built on, and it never really was on Switch before. But now that it works on Switch, there's been an onslaught of these 2D indie tiles jumping over. I mean, already there's been announcements since the Direct of uh, Super Hydra, Curse Castilla, Nika, and VA11 Hall A, which to someone out there means something. Quite frankly, I don't know much about any of these four games, but I know in the right indie space, they are a big VLA deal. VA11 Hall A. Silvana? Correct. But there's a space between Vol and Hala, so I'm just going to read it like it's written and make a fool of myself <laughs> as I have now just done. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, there's all these Valhalla, yeah. There's all these games coming out. They'll all use Game Maker there were announced like literally in the days after. And the guys that make Game Maker, a company called Yo Yo Games, they actually will give free access to the engine at GDC all this week in San Francisco. So expect even more games to now be coming switch people are gonna be checking it out and messing with it. So yeah, so it's basically what I'm saying is a port is now leaving to even more ports of things that we haven't experienced and that's great. And that really in a nutshell is the switch side of the direct just ports that be get ports that lead to more ports that lead to new experiences for some people like there's so much going on that everyone's gonna find something they haven't played before and that's really cool so that's the switch side direct uh what's kind of surprising is what we didn't see in the direct um but it got announced separately like here in the west we did not see that fantasy star online 2 cloud is coming to switch which is doing in japan so yeah they're fun they're they're is fun on game i don't understand why it's not coming to switch like they're adding or sorry not to switch to the west they're adding Breath of the Wild costumes. They have had success with the franchise, relatively speaking, on GameCube back in the day. Specifically, this very game. So I don't know why Wait, they it's wouldn't port bring... of the original GameCube. It's game? Fantasy Star Online two, but running in the cloud. Oh. That's the interesting wrinkle on this. The game doesn't run on your Switch. It's streaming through the cloud, which means they can do all sorts of server side upgrades. They can make the graphics real crazy, better than anything a Switch can do should they choose to do so, and then just stream it to you. And I don't know why it's not coming to the U.S. The only thing I can think of is they're stress testing it over there. But, you know, even then, this is another good example of a game that was unique enough to stand out in the RPG genre and sit alongside South Park and Undertale and whatever and do probably quite well on the Switch, both in the West and 
in Japan, and yet, nope, we're just not getting it. I mean, even Zelda's in it, but nope, we're not getting it. But, I mean, maybe to Sega's credit, they're just too busy with other announcements, because here in the U.S., we, we got a lot of Sonic stuff just announced, literally this weekend um, at South by Southwest. Sonic Shoes from Puma, which I kind of wish were still that pixelated. I know the pixel's just blurring it out. Like, the teaser image is a pixelated shoe, but I wish I wish it was pixelated. It actually looks kind of cool like that. But yeah, they announced Sonic Shoes. They um, This is all at South by Southwest panel that they did, just to clarify. But they also announced um, a physical release of Sonic Mania and the long-rumored repeatedly leaked, talked about on this show to death already. Still tease. Still tease new Sonic Racing game. The racing tease was literally as bare bones as you could get. Like, if you thought the Smash Bros. tease was bare bones, this was just a showery logo, some engine revs, and a highlight of the letter R which on is the word pretty, racing. Which is a pretty big deal. Yeah, I mean, I get that they're <laughs> doing, like, haha, Sonic R nod. Like, we were joking last episode, wouldn't it be cool if they did a Sonic R sequel? And they're kind of like, well, we're not going to, but here's mm-hmm. the letter that starts the word of what we're doing. But That just means they're going to have more... It's going to have a fully voiced soundtrack. Like, the original Sonic R. Oh, well, don't think... Preaching the artist of Can You Feel the Sunshine and Living in the City. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't be surprised if that's that's teasing. Knowing Sega, yeah, because they're, they're going way back. I mean, Sonic All-Stars Racing Transformed had a <coughs> cover of one of those songs, but it was just like instrumental. I, I frankly would not be surprised because of the other announcement they did. I mean, the game is so bad, it's it's almost like it has its own Comical. following yeah. at this point. No, no, seriously, because they're, I mean, look at what they're doing with Sonic Mania Plus. To your point that, like, they're going to do the throwback thing, I think they will, because Sonic Mania Plus, this is a physical version of Sonic Mania. The big thing they're adding, besides the packaging, which has, like, a holographic picture, and you can turn it inside out, and it's a Genesis cover, and it comes with a 32-page art book, and yada, yada, yada. The biggest thing they're doing is they're adding two new playable characters who have only appeared in one game in Japan that was only in arcades called Sega Sonic the Hedgehog back in 1993. Well, only Ray. No, they both run it. I looked it up. They were both in it. Oh, because yeah. I remember... Um, so Ray the Flying Squirrel and uh, Mighty the Armadillo. Because Mighty was also about. in um, Knuckles Chaotix. Oh, so he had a future. But okay, I see what you're saying. They both debuted in Sega Sonic the Hedgehog in the arcade yeah. game. I guess only Ray appeared... The Flying Squirrel appeared there while... Mighty the Armadillo moved on to Chaotix as well, yeah. but nonetheless, I almost got to very... play that game, the arcade game. You did? Yeah. Oh, when you guys were in Japan? No. Oh. Uh, one of his friends um, downloaded it. Oh. And they just. Oh yeah, I guess it. that kind of takes some of the mystique out of this stuff. We can just download a ROM. Yeah. But, but no, it's it's just cool that like the point I was getting at is it's cool that these very obscure Sonic characters getting a second lease on life as part of Sonic Mania Plus. So I'm pretty sure your idea of fully voice music soundtrack whatever in sonic racing is not that far-fetched anymore two yeah. years ago yes I mean, now it sounds totally the, the funny thing is that i mean it almost feels like it's safe to assume that it's going to be a, a just sonic racing game that's what it looks like and but I, they but for some reason they still i mean they didn't show the word sonic or they kept it blank for some reason i suspect so it could still be a sonic and Oscar's racing game but i suspect it's just sonic and i suspect they're gonna tie it in with so sonic mania was a runaway hit for them right like they didn't expect it to do that well how should i bet that ray and uh mighty are gonna be racers in sonic racing it probably is gonna be a who's who of sonic characters yep, it's gonna be sonic and it's all gonna have friends. the woodpecker it's gonna have the bear the polar bear all those i mean it makes total sense because you have sonic has more friends or former friends than any other mascot i think and like <laughs> why not milk that why not do the oswald to the mickey but as a racing game, you know what I mean? Like Epic Mickey, they were like, Oswald's a thing again. Why not do that? Yeah, I don't right? think that sucks now. Like, this is like a game that I've been wanting on the Switch because I just wanted another game that wasn't Mario. I mean, yeah, Mario, yeah, Mario Kart 8. 8. 
but now they have a PS4. Well, why don't you wait and see what they do in each version and then decide I based on that. Well, maybe yeah. they'll have exclusive characters. We should probably time. wait till it's officially announced first. I mean, it's teased, but we don't even know if it's coming to Switch or PS4. Well, yeah, because by default, because I feel like by default, anytime there's a multi-platform game, you kind of have to get it for PS4. So Switch has what? to make an argument for it to be. Portability. Made. There you go. Mm. Depends on which of your. I think yeah. it would depend on which of your friends on which system are more likely to buy it, and how many on each. To yeah, that's true. Yeah. But either way, um, yeah, I think they're going back to the the well here. If Nigel gets it on, on Switch, I have to get it on Switch. Well, there you go. Problem yeah. solved. I will say, um, Mighty and Ray, I know they're old characters, but my god, they look like those palette swaps. Remember when Pokemon Red and Blue was out and I was like, is this what the next Pokemon will look like in the gold and silver? And it was like just palette swaps of Pikachu. That's what these two look like. Like, they look so fake. I realize it's because it's like the early 90s and they were just riffing on this. I mean, I know Mighty was the original oh, Sonic. Yeah. So, I get it, but it looks so, they're so, what if we made him yellow and gave him wings? Yeah, let's just do that. Like, it's inspired, so... I guess. Yeah, exactly. I do like that, um, on the opposite end of the spectrum, I do like the character designs for the new characters they're adding in the Sonic extended comic universe that IDW is creating. Yeah, they're, like, that's like, interesting how they're going like, in like such they're, a different direction like with that. Like, they're messy design. Like, they have, like, this skunk character that just mm-hmm. looks cool. They have a... A Madagascar lemur that grabs things with its tail has like a hand on their tail. I don't know. It looks so. A palm. Speaking of Pokemon co- po- palettes, yeah, but it still has that man like that right, right. ring tail yeah. lemur thing. Yeah, I think I think the uh, I think those guys could show up in the racing game too. Like if they're doing Sonic and all his friends, like they can, <laughs> why not? Cross out the con comes out around the fall, right? It comes out in April. Oh, even better. They'll be established by the time the game yeah. comes out. Just throw in some Sonic Boom handkerchief version of Sonic 2 while you're at. Oh, man. Sonic Boom Sonic came out? Or Sonic Boom Knuckles. Yeah, I mean, they're all Knuckles I mean, and have weirdly swole knuckles. So it'd be perfect. I mean, when I say th- I love Sonic Boom, I mean the TV show. Because that TV yeah. show was great. But, I'm yeah. sort of I love those serious about this ridiculous Sonic. Make the expand- Sonic Expanded Universe the racing <laughs> I hope game. they have every Sonic in there. They have Sonic Adventure I Sonic really with the crazy do. shoes. I mean, it's not that far from reality. They already do generations where it's like old Sonic and new Sonic. Right? They have classic side. Sonic in a CG model, but they also have a sprite Sonic. I, I'm, oh, that'd be cool, actually. I really want this to happen. Could we? It, I don't know if Sega's listening. Sega, I'll buy. Actually, the, are. Oh, great! Yeah. Hi, Sega. No, I'll buy if I'm just saying. I'll buy Sonic Mania Plus, the physical edition, if it means that this ridiculous Sonic racing game becomes reality of just every Sonic ever made, every Sonic character ever made. That that's my deal. I'll make. Seriously though, are you actually gonna get Sonic Mania Plus? Probably not. I don't. It's tempting. So they are doing DLC of the same updates because not only is it the new characters, it comes with uh, a oh, new so competition. Oh, all those come with the an update for the yes. So you'll oh. get the new characters. You'll get four player co- uh, competitive, and you'll get what they call uh, encore mode, where they so the only thing you're missing out on is the art box and and the, the box itself. And yeah, the art, the box, and the hmm. reverse of the box. I don't know so, who knows that. But here's the thing: if I'll, we can tell them after, but yeah. if um, if the price is similar to the DLC for the physical, I might as well just get the physical because the oh, artwork looks cool. Yeah. But if it's like you know fifteen dollars versus thirty, because the physical plus is thirty, I'll probably just do the DLC. But it is a lot of stuff. Like I'm really curious about the encore thing. That's where they're the gonna holographic cover levels, like whatever that means. Thing. Yeah, the holographic cover looks nice. Yeah, but I, I mean, what would you? Are you? You have Sonic Mania on PS4. So would you get plus for PS4 or would you get yeah. plus for okay? You know, now I could get that on PS4. You could also get the second. Well, Genesis because at this point it sounds like oh, is this going to get the DLC? That makes sense. Yeah. Unless he really wants to get the box, which he might, because I mean, he collects everything Sonic. He even bought official Sonic replica shoes that, from Japan. I've seen them. Yes, they yeah. are impressive. 
yeah. and also a little like, why do you have this? <laughs> but mostly <laughs> impressive. Um, but you know, if he's on, you PS- hold your tongue. If he, if he's on PS4, he should also get that Sega Genesis collection, which inexplicably is not coming to Switch. You know what I'm talking about, right? They announced for PS4 and Xbox One a compilation of Genesis games, and it's like everything up to Sonic and Knuckles, I think, or Sonic Three maybe, and it's like 50 games. It's totally hitting the like 90s nostalgia trend so head on every... and it's not coming to the system that lives on 90s nostalgia the switch so it, pretty much all the I... games that come in their sega classic edition that yeah, you always see at Toys R Us, which are which are now going out of business yeah it's that basically but it's just kind of weird like how's this not on switch even atari is bringing over their flashback classic compilation to switch in december how is sega missing the boat on this especially when song Mania did so well it just it doesn't make sense i don't know but he should get it on ps4 is what i'm saying it looks like a good compilation or sega could bring it to switch Sega. It, apparently you're listening, according to Angel, so bring it to Switch. We'll see if that works. I'll get back to you. Uh, but yeah, that that's about it for Switch, like for real. At least uh, until we get to the What We're Playing segment. The Direct also had a surprising amount of 3DS news. Um, and it's kind of interesting to see that there's this very clear strategy that had emerged from Nintendo. You may recall they publicly said in the past they're going to uncharted territory with the 3DS. They're not, they didn't expect it to keep doing so well. And in their financial briefing back in February, they said that what that means is they're targeting 3DS at younger gamers and people who this could be their very first dedicated gaming device, period. And when you look at everything they announced for 3DS through that lens, it makes 100% sense that they're doing what they're doing. I mean, you sort of said this, Angel, way at the very start of the episode. We're like, oh, yeah, they're just, you know, it's a port machine now. And it is because, like, it's remakes, it's ports, it's compilations. They're all using existing assets and engines. They're all being done in an efficient manner to just turn a high profit, like the highest possible profit, the lowest investment, and providing what these youngins think are entirely new experiences. Like it's a really smart strategy. And it's perhaps most obvious, ironically enough, with uh, the game that's further out from released, with which is Mario Luigi Bowser's Inside Story plus Bowser Jr.'s Journey. And yeah, it's been six months, a whopping six months since we last got Mario Luigi on 3DS which was the Superstar Saga remix, uh, remake. And that came with the Bowser Minion expansion, and now they're doing the exact... No, it felt like a bigger deal, and just because it was Cause such it was a huge jump from like, yeah. Game Boy Advance to 3DS, but this one was like DS to 3DS. Like, I honestly... <coughs> like like I said earlier, like yeah. for about a minute, I'm like, wasn't this game on 3DS? Because the visuals by that time... like they kept, the same. They had refined them on 3DS. Everything was already looking really, really great. And here's the thing that's so funny to me is they're doing the exact same process for Bowser's Inside Story that they did for uh, Superstar Saga's remake. Like, they're up the game, keeping the scenario, and adding a side story that literally has the exact same plot of what was going on elsewhere in the Mushroom Kingdom while this was happening. So in Superstar Saga, it was Bowser's minions, and it's all about what the Koopas and the Goombas are up to. Now it's Bowser Jr. and what he's up to while his dad has Mario and Luigi inside of him. Don't twist that. It is an innocent statement, I swear to God. <laughs> but yeah, so, I mean, there's nothing wrong with them doing this per se. Like, you know, like I was saying, 3DS is targeting entirely new players. This is all new to them. And even if there's some of the 70 million people out there who own 3DSs who haven't played Inside Story... This is a good way to get them to do it, and it feels new and fresh to them. But it's just so weird how absolutely cookie-cutter it is. Like, I've ne- I can't remember Nintendo ever doing something quite this cookie-cutter quite this fast. And also, how could they have the gall to skip over Partners in Time? I actually really like that one. Yeah. I thought the dual-screen, like, four-player battle or four-character battles would, were cool. That would have been my favorite Mario Luigi game if they hadn't revolved one around Bowser. 
but yeah, you just have to. You're obligated, like the Bowser. Yeah, I'm I get obligated. It. I completely, even understand. if it's the worst one, I completely yeah. understand. <laughs> but but yeah, like what what is what is their thinking here? I mean, in terms of skipping partners in time, I don't get it. I do get why they're doing this. I love I that one. That one was also the most challenging one. Like, yeah. like it just felt like that one was like like yeah, let, let, let's take everything we learned from the first one, just amp it up to eleven. Literally, and, they're like, let's double everything, and, and then it's almost like they. I don't know. I guess it was too hard for people, or well, or it wasn't as well received that they're like, okay, let's let them backpedal a little and make them a little I more user friendly, and then let's like shove tutorials up your throat so hard I, because I guess we didn't explain things well enough, and then we got Bowser's story and Luigi's dream team, which oh my god, that that's probably where the tutorials were yeah, way too far. Yeah. So two thoughts. One, how did they shove them up the person's throat? Where were they shoving them in to get out? Uh, and two... That's how far they had to shove. Okay. And two, um, uh, I think, no, honestly, I think part of the problem with that was um, it, a lot of people, they, basically they went into Partners in Time with like a double or nothing mentality. Oh, there's two screens. That means two more characters. That means two more this, two more that. And I think the four characters at once thing was a little confusing for some people because if you didn't come in knowing how Mario and Luigi worked and they had to like manage four at once it's a lot I know but I think they got feedback from people saying that was a little much so they started scaling back and they just went too far back (sighs) I think but yeah so now we get Bowser's inside story again but with Bowser Jr. telling his journey whatever it is but then and that's coming in 2019 so that's further out but we've also got a game that kind of exemplifies 3DS's new mission statement in Luigi's Mansion which actually I feel is old enough to legitimately warrant a remake, unlike Bowser Inside Story, because it's almost like a remake. Yeah, that's the thing. Like these, so these, ignoring the remake part. These, Wait, isn't there a game called Demastered? Uh, the Mummy. Uh, yes, yeah. yes, by way forward on Switch. Yes, but yeah, this this um this Luigi's Mansion remake. Like I get it because there's a lot of us core fans who may be willing to check it out again as well. As new 3DS players who have never experienced it, so they play Dark Moon, yeah, or, or you know they play Dark Moon and they want a sequel. So like, there's all these different avenues where it makes sense to put it on 3DS, and you know that's contrary to all the folks whining that it should be on Switch. Like, I think, I think Nintendo's smart here in doing it like this. I mean, it'd be cool on Switch. I'd love to see an HD on Switch, but this as a business move makes significantly more sense to me in like every possible way. But the you know because you, you already have the Dark Engine. Or the Dark Moon Engine, as you were sort of saying. And then all you need to do is swap out the scenarios, build that snazzy new always-on-the-screen Game Boy Horror map. And I love that they kept the Game Boy Horror branding on it. That's a nice touch. And then, you know, they're throwing in, like, a boss rush or mode a nice just thing for fun. they didn't touch. Well, they had to actually add it. Like, it used to be... Oh, I guess it was always there. Yeah. But it's, like, constant. It's right above the home button on the DS now, which is... Or wherever the home button used to be in the middle. But yeah, you're right. They, they're just keeping it. And they have a boss rush mode, as I was starting to say. So it's, you know, it's nice. And it's not going to cost them an arm and leg to a mate to make, and they can make a bunch of money off of it. But, um, but by playing on 3DS, yeah, I mean, you just have to look at the numbers. 70 million people have 3DSs. 14 to 20 million people will probably have uh, Switches by the time this comes out in the fall or winter or whenever in 2018 Luigi's Match is coming out. Like, just playing the numbers game, it makes sense to put it on 3DS. Plus, you may recall the original Luigi's Mansion was actually one of the first games Nintendo tested stereoscopic, stereoscopic 3D with. So we're coming full circle now by having it on 3DS. It, it was meant to be. That's, that's what I'm saying. I will say, though, to your point, it does feel like a D-make. I weirdly prefer the look of the GameCube original. Like, technically... Mm, it's funny. I I mean, it, it, it does feel like a D-make, but... Technically, I, it's better looking. I, I, yeah, but I, cause I can't, honestly can't really go back to the GameCube so, one. So, I, I remembered it so nicely from with rose with rose colored glasses. Yeah. 
then when I looked at footage, I'm like, wow, this is not what I remember so looking that's like. That's what's weird to me is I, so we. But I played the game a ton in college and early on, like I've replayed that game from beginning to end so many times because you could beat it in like four hours. Yeah, it's a short game. Even I beat it. Yeah, that I can't, I'm definitely not going to get this one. Just yeah, I, I don't think I'm going to get it either, but I will say like. I don't think it looks that bad. Like I, there's oh, no, a, for 3DS it looks fine. No, 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 no. On GameCube even. Like there's oh. a side-by-side video that Game Explained did, which I'll throw a link to on the blog post for this episode for anyone wants to watch. But in it, you have them running side-by-side. And yeah, the GameCube one looks a little worse like in terms of animation. But it's really not that jarring. Like I didn't think it was that much worse. And more of the point, I kind of... I kind of like the like I don't know how to describe it. It uh, it's like slightly shadowier or like spookier or creepier feeling because the the 3ds one. If you watch the video, everything's just like really clean and bright, and there's not much like lurking in the shadows because there's not uh, much shadows. The one is a lot darker. Yeah, like literally. The, yeah, and the and the texture work in the 3ds one is so much better that I guess they brightened it up to be like, look at these beautiful textures. Look at how the wood looks like wood. Well, on the old one, it's just like, this is a brown line that we're going to call wood, but we'll go ahead and darken it so you don't really notice it. But that worked in its favor, I feel like. For a game like Luigi's Mansion, you want it to be spooky. Like, the new one almost looks like too polished by comparison, which is the weirdest complaint I think I've ever said. The game looks too good. <laughs> but no, honestly, like, it, it's it's weird. I'll, I, I don't know. So, yeah, I don't think I'm necessarily picking it up either. Uh, I don't know if the boss rush mode is enough but the uh the one 3ds game from the direct that i am actually considering buying is warrior gold or as it's known in japan the much better name of warrior gorgeous like why didn't they keep that name That's here perfect. it's I... such a good name it's such a good name and i mean ultimately i think ultimately what this warrior is is what the top 100 was to mario party meaning it's a compilation of some of the series best which again... Get kids on the 3DS excited about Mario Party so that when it comes down to the Switch, they're like, Mommy, get me a Switch. Or in this case, WarioWare, because who knows? Like, <laughs> Mommy, get me a WarioWare. Like, imagine in the fall or next spring, they do a WarioWare based on Nintendo Labo. Like, you build things and then have that, kind of like a WarioWare DIY meets Nintendo Labo. That would be cool. This could prime people for I think that. they're going to have, like, a subset of games called Labo games that are just, like, games Probably. that revolve around the Labo kids. Probably. Yeah, there's no way it's going to That be... way no one feels like, like oh, like, this yeah. is, like, a full game. Absolutely yeah. what they're going to do. Because, yeah, we talked about that before. Like, games it, will probably be Labo enhanced yeah, in the future. Yeah, because if they like, label Yoshi them as Labo maybe. games, then I feel like that's... Yeah, no, no, no. It'd be a side mode. It'd be an enhancement. I think Yoshi's been delayed forever because they're doing something with that, too. Because Cardboard World, Cardboard Game, yeah. Cardboard Cutouts, all makes sense. But, yeah, with... with um. With WarioWare, at least they're, they're gonna, gonna have a pet Yoshi mode or something. Probably. Oh, you build your own cardboard Yoshi. Oh no, well, kind of like the house because you take care of a little pet. Oh yeah, I didn't think of that. Like That'd a my cool. like a my little Yoshi, like a Giga pet. My little Yoshi. <laughs> That'd be cool. I mean, Yoshi is basically the pony of the Mushroom Kingdom, so it makes yeah, sense. Literally. My little Yoshi, literally the my yeah. little pony. Yeah, like, yeah. They, You can name they, it Sprinkles or Rainbow or and, and then there'll be Broshies. And will be Broshies are really creepy. And Woolly tool. World went crazy with the different designs, just like the little ponies. Like you yeah. have your striped Yoshi, your watermelon Yoshi, or everything Yoshi. I'm gonna repeat my joke because I feel like you didn't hear it. But then there'll also be Broshies you have to be mindful of, which are men that are way too old to be into it. That. No, everything so Just because I have one amiibo Yoshi doesn't mean I'm a broshi. I saw that Yoshi body pillow. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> no, but, um, yeah, WarioWare, I was going to say that at least with WarioWare, I mean, you're absolutely right. They're priming the pump. They're getting people to get into the franchise for later use. But they're actually doing more than just copying old mini games with this one or micro games with this one i mean i for sure some saw some in there that i recognized from the regular button pressing warrior wares i saw some warrior Wear twisted ones in there some warrior Wear touched ones in there twist is actually pretty cool because i don't think they've ever ported the twisted warrior Wear games to any other version of the game but um 
where it differentiates from like the top 100 or whatever is they're also promising brand new micro games and they're going to most notably be adding fully animated cutscenes with the WarioWare cast being fully voiced in them, which is very new and different. So there's going to be 300 micro games in total, more than any other WarioWare's ever had, and these animated cutscenes. So it actually seems like more of a new experience than like Luigi or Mario and Luigi or whatever. So that that's kind of nice. I mean, it's funny. I bet you the game is actually no more expensive to make. WarioWare Gold is probably no more expensive to make than, say, Luigi's Mansion's remake. But because it's so much simpler of a game and so much simpler of an engine, they're probably able to use the money that would normally go to just pouring it over to make it more of like a new experience overall than throwing the voice acting and all that. And, you know, being being the WarioWare lover that I am, I own every single entry in the series. I don't think I'm going to be able to pass this one up, even if How I wanted the to. One? I, I know GameCube one is the one I know least about. It's a party game. It's literally the Game Boy one, but as multiplayer. Okay. You all play around on TV. Okay. Mega Micro Games is what it's called. Cool. It's pretty decent. Thanks. Yeah. No. Anytime. Anytime. But um, yeah, like I, I'm for sure gonna get this one. Like I'm a, I'm a warrior whore. I'm buying this. It's, it's happening. And I'll buy the Labo one when that eventually happens too. Like it's, it's happening. Are you gonna get gold? Probably not. You're totally over the 3ds. Yeah. Yeah. I just can't say no to WarioWare. And there's new mini game micro games. So. I said no to Metroid Prime. Nope. I mean, not to Metroid, to Metroid Samus Returns. There you go. That's the name. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, that, that's fair. I mean, I, I, we... To anyone listening, I feel like we're being a bit cynical by looking at all this 3DS news through the lens of, like, what makes Nintendo the most money. Like, literally, we've talked about all 3DS games. It's like, oh, make some money. But, like, frankly, that's what it's about at this point. Like, we're essentially witnessing a pivot from the old strategy of a console and handheld living side by side with AAA releases to a new strategy of the premium system, the Switch, and the budget system, the 3DS. And that pivot means that games for the budget system will appropriately be made on a budget. So it's not a bad thing per se, it's just a change of their usual strategy. And I, I think it's a smart one, but it's um you know, it's something you're seeing with every single 3DS game. Whether they keep this going till the end of twenty eighteen like I originally thought, or into twenty nineteen with past Mario and Luigi or into twenty twenty or whatever, like every single game you can trace the budget-saving production costs right through it. Like, even look at Detective Pikachu. I mean, that was out in Japan for two years prior to them deciding to spruce up its storyline and bring it stateside and all that. And when they're bringing it stateside, they're now doubling the chapter. So they're taking the engine from two years ago and just applying new stuff to it. They're not building anything new, per se, or starting from scratch with this. And that seems to be basically what they're doing with all the games, which is fine. Nothing wrong with that. But the one exception, perhaps, is Dylan's Dead Heat Breakers, the only truly new quote unquote 3DS game that even appeared in the direct. I mean, it is using the same engine as Rolling Western and its sequel did back in the early eShop days. So you still have a tower defense game mixed with like uh, some third person action for the actual combat. But unlike these other games we've been talking about, they're really going full sequel here. I mean, the characters are all mad maxed out now. It's a whole new art style. They're, they're adding me's. You can play as your me dressed in animal costume or you can bring in your friend's me's dressed in animal costumes uh, to kind of form your team. I'm hoping they include a left-handed mode, like a legitimate left-handed mode this time since they did not before. But uh, they're, they're doing some creative stuff here. They're just doing it within the limits of these constrained budgets that Nintendo's now putting on 3DS games. So if more 3DS games do that, I could see core fans like myself perhaps doubling back. I mean, I'll do it for WarioWare. I'll at least keep an eye on Dylan. And I'd actually really love to see if Nintendo did this with more early 3DS games. I mean, give us another, like, Sakura Samurai, or what was that puzzle game? 
Quetzal, Quetzal, Quetzal corridors. Yeah, the one where you go into the screen. Like, give us another one of those. I like, did get, like that. that yeah, cool. like they have all these engines. That is neat because it's like one of the first stereoscopic, like one of the first games on 3DS to actually use the stereoscopic. But what I was trying to say, they have all these engines. Like, they can make a Harmonite two and sell it on 3DS, and it'll do fine. They can make a Quetzal's or a Soccer Center. Like, I don't know. I know, like I know, it goes a bit against the budget system mentality since you want the broadest releases with the biggest audience in mind. And something like Quetzal's Corridors or Harmonite Two, while fun, won't be the broadest audience. But you know, if Dylan does well enough with uh, Dead Heat Breakers, perhaps they'll consider going after the smaller games too. You know, the smaller audience too. I mean, like when you have seventy million handhelds out there and new players buying in at a faster rate to the 3DS ecosystem than they have in years that hopefully means that some creative opportunities are there so as much as this direct represented this pivot that a lot of people seem to dislike about 3ds and how it's all ports and all compilations and all whatever i think there's still opportunity for some cool stuff there and us core fans we may move on switch but nintendo's still probably gonna do a few interesting things on 3ds is what i'm now realizing so we'll see time will tell but it you know i have a little hope that 3ds won't just be Here's another Mario and Luigi game for the seventh time. But who knows? So that's the 3DS half of the Direct. I don't know if you have any thoughts on 3 I mean, you moved on from it completely, so I imagine you have zero thoughts on what they bring to it. Yes. Yeah, so I could tell by how quiet you got during my little rant. But yeah, that that's it for the Direct. We've covered all news. We took two hours to talk about a Direct that took 30 minutes, so you really get your money's worth from the Roundtown Podcast. But before we go, we have been playing some games too. We don't just talk about them, obviously, so... Uh, you've been playing Bridge, Construct- Bridge Constructor Portal on Switch. I've been playing Toki Toki 2 on Switch. You want to kick it off, Bridge Constructor? Oh, yeah. So, Bridge Constructor, this is a game that I actually really wanted just because they portal. just yeah, because they slapped the Portal license on it, which <laughs> all you have to do is. I mean, portal that's, on. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's why you like Bowser's Inside Story more than Partners in Time, is they slap Bowser on basically, it. Basically, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you Because, I mean, I, I played through Portal 1 and 2, great games, blah, 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 blah. But, <laughs> yeah. and this one, like, um,. I mean, you definitely would, I guess, enjoy this game more if you had played those games just because they do like to throw a lot of nods at it. I mean, besides just like recurring voices, they mm-hmm. have like mechanics from the games that are like, oh, how this is how they implemented them here in Portal and Bridge Builder. Like, they're constructor. like Bridge Constructor, sure. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so this game is pretty much a get a cart from point A to point B without it breaking mm-hmm. using a bridge that you build. And I don't know, I still haven't. I've played the game like enough, like through the touchscreen and with the controllers, and I still haven't really decided which one I like more. So that mean they're both good, or does that mean they're both like just barely getting by, and you keep flipping them because you don't know which one you like more? They're they're both like barely getting by. Like, they're both like just on the point of being like de- um, I guess good. Right. Like, like they're both serviceable. That's fine because the but, other bridge game that came out, I forgot what it was called Holly Bridge. Yeah, that one also had control issues. There's something with this genre and controllers. <laughs> No, because because this kind of game feels like perfect for a mouse. Right, that like, might be like it. quick, precise clicks around, boom, you're done. With an analog, it's a little slower, and with the touchscreen, you kind of like block things with your finger, mm-hmm. like especially when you want like to get it just in the right spot. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's doable, and I mean, and you could do it if you take your time. Right, but I guess it just doesn't feel like fluid and snappy. Is what I'm saying. I get, I get you. Yeah, the, the controls are just not as as perfect as as you'd want them to be, but but the puzzles are still there and they're still great. Like they start really easy, they ramp up. They the first few like are very heavy on the tutorial, and what's cool is that after you beat each level, like pretty much you beat a level when you get a cart across the the hazards without it 
getting destroyed and they get to the exit and you beat the level you go to the next one but then you could replay the same level and try to get a caravan of but of little carts to go through your your bridge and what works for one cart may not necessarily work for six cars because you have to take weight into consideration and any potential things that could cause your bridge to fall apart and cause collisions because eventually you have portals that will make your cars go into different directions at the same time <laughs> and you have to make sure you create bridges that both avoid the carts and get them to their place safely without falling apart on each other and because it has kind of like a real physics engine attached to it you have to take into consideration like weak points on your bridge you have to create support everywhere that's necessary you have like support that's created out of these metal bars that kind of work like like a suspension like suspensions on the car right and you also have a bunch of rubber like strings you could attach to you know just suspend your bridge kind of like a suspension bridge but you can either attach as many as you can to try to not let it break or you could try to meet the or other requirement where you get more points for beating it but it's only using a set number of things so mm-hmm. i mean there really isn't much to sell beyond that it just it just keeps ramping up in difficulty using those same properties how, how deep does the portal license go i mean obviously there's the portals which mess with all the physics over a normal well, I mean, bridge building game, i mean but... everything about it it's said in the aperture science lab you're is glados there yeah glados is like kind of curating each each test as they're called so it's just like test you're going through the test chambers in the enrichment center so it's like you're playing for you're playing a portal employee that got signed to be the bridge manager the, i mean yeah the bridge maker manager right well. right so it's it's all portal like through and through like you and i guess what is kind of cool that you're actually playing as the i guess the, the silhouettes of people that portal for a long time has been using on their i guess employee videos for portal 2 uh-huh. like they had these little short films that were just like oh hello welcome new trainee Watch out for this. Don't do this at work. Blah blah blah. Right, right, so right. Watch out. I remember those. Yeah. So you're playing as those characters, basically. Oh, that's kind of neat, though. Like, like they're the ones riding the car, and do you like it? the turrets come in and shoot things? Yeah. Like, well, no, but oh. but I do like. Side ask. <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe in later levels, but yeah. but what I do like is that like even like the like the way you even start the game, like you kind of start to do a little survey, and I mean, there's only one way to answer the survey, otherwise the game won't start. But I mean, it's all done in a humorous way. Right, right. Like it's just very. So it has the vibe. Of it, it's very important. Whoever did it, whoever handled it, definitely wanted it to make it. Wanted to do the portal license justice. I mean, it completely overshadowed Polybridge. I don't think anyone remembers. Those yeah, things. it's funny because I was more interested in Polybridge when they were when it was yeah, announced, and then Bridge Constructor yeah, Poly comes Bridge. in and is just like, "Hey, yo, I mess with physics. Come check me out." I'm like, "Ooh, messed up physics." Yeah, yeah. Because like Polybridge honestly like looks like a. A more fun game but i haven't played it because i'm playing portal bridge Builder. because portal yeah but see see then the question comes does it look like a more fun game or does it look like just a more it looks like there's you more to I mean? it because i mean this yeah. one's just a because in the other one i don't know it, it's kind of in a 3d space it's in like a pseudo 3 it's like yeah. 2 half d yeah yeah it's weird but yeah. i don't know but yeah, it sounds like if you're a portal fan at least this is and regardless if, if you're a portal fan and if you just like puzzle games kind of like physics puzzlers yeah or even like um, kind of like Tokyo Story 2 which we'll talk well Jason yeah I'll talk about, about it next year yeah like those kind of games and you'll like Portal 2 Portal <laughs> Portal Bridge, bridge Constructor Portal yeah Bridge yes. Constructor Portal yeah and it's, only, and it's not like by eShop game price standards it's actually not even that bad like a lot of 20 this is, that's only 15 so yeah Tokyo Story 2 has been around for a while even in the plus form that I played uh, like back in what 2013 yeah. you talked about on Wii U when it first came out it was just Tokyo Story 2 no plus pretty fun game yeah, yeah, and it uh, 
And it's I mean, only... I even bought it again. That's how much I liked it. Oh, yeah, because you have it too. So if you watch China, it's anything by all means. But in the time since you bought it, two tribes over the last five years to continue to like nip and tuck it. And the game in the form that I have now on Switch is actually, well, mostly the same. has some differences and some adjustments over what you played. But really, um, since you first talked about it on the show, I've had an interest in it. I just always felt it was more of a portable experience. Like, I don't know. You could play it on TV. You could play it on the gamepad stuck in the room where the Wii U is. But just this game in particular has really felt at home being portable. So now that it's on Switch and suddenly portable, I, that's when I was like, oh, yeah, Toki Tori 2, and decided to actually check it out. And now that I've had it and played it, I think, like, the best description I can come up with to describe it is probably the word serene. Like, I know it's not really a word you use to describe games, but honestly, it is kind of the first thing that comes to mind with Toki Tori. Like, no matter what you're doing in the game, no matter how tricky a puzzle gets, everything just kind of feels, like, almost at ease or, like, friendly. Like, it's even weirdly peaceful, even at the times when you have to move quickly because the animals you're interacting with, you have to, like, time everything just right, like a Rube Goldberg machine or something. It still feels kind of, like, relaxing and nice. And it might... It, it might and it's probably the art style, it's probably the music, but I think a part of it can be attributed to just the simplicity of the design. Like, very much in the style of the best Nintendo-made games, Toki Tori has a very simple mechanic that it uses in, that it uses in like increasingly interesting ways. So he plays this little chick, or chicken, or yellow bird man, I, I don't know what he is exactly, and he can do two things. He can whistle, and he can stomp. One of which is with the hit of the A button, one of which is with the hit of the B button, or... You can actually use the shoulder buttons on the Switch, which it, I actually kind of like that one. It's really comfortable. But either way, um, some animals in the world will react to you whistling, others to your stomps, and you basically use a combo of these two actions to overcome puzzles as you go across a big island that's weirdly, oddly kind of Metroidvania-like in structure, but not like a real Metroidvania because you don't unlock new abilities exactly, but it, it has kind of that sort of interlocking world aspect. And over the course of the game, you use the stomping and the whistling as you explore this world to basically do new things in increasingly clever ways, all with just the two mechanics. So like, for example, there's a situation where you may have a crab that's in a box, and this box doubles as a platform. And you need to get this box to fill a gap on the other end. Catch is, box is out of range of your whistle. So what you have to do is actually move a different box by stomping or whistling, depending on where it is, over to a spot where there's a snail and that snail can actually extend the range of your whistle so you go to that snail you move the box there you get the snail to do the whistle you then have the snail move with you and the box to the new location where you can drop the box just so it can still do the range and then you kind of drop it down like that, that i know that doesn't really make sense but the point i'm getting at is it's like this whole daisy chain of commands so to speak that you do interacting with these animals and they all interact a little differently with the whistle or the stomp and you kind of use each animal's unique trait together to solve these puzzles and then as you know as the game goes on there's more elaborate schemes and interactions and new animals some you know some are in charge of shining a light in the world and some are afraid of the dark so you need to make the animal that shines the light go to the right place by having it follow you with a whistle or whatever and then it shines the light and they can make the other animal do something by stomping or whatever it may be and they get elaborate there there can get to be many many animals involved in these little tasks and it's just, it's just very fun like it it's just this really smart little puzzle game where you everything's very cutesy and friendly but there's some deep puzzles in there and now that's portable for the first time they actually added the ability to not just have checkpoints after every puzzle which is great to pick up and play but you can actually set up your own checkpoint at any time in the puzzle so if you literally if you are unsure of a puzzle and don't know what to do or if you have to like get off the bus or something and you're not quite trusting of the switch's sleep mode you can actually just make a checkpoint then and there it'll auto save and then you can just go at any moment and come right back to it. So that's a that's one of the like switch first improvements they've done 
since it came to, yeah, since it came out on Switch. But but like the simplicity thing I was talking about before, it's more than just just the whistle stomp thing, or more than just uh, interacting with animals that way. There's also a whole melody system in the game that, depending on the rhythm you press the whistle button with, and if yeah, you draw you could, it out, and you can hold it, down the button for a long whistle yeah. or just it's basically it Morse code. Basically. It's probably the easiest way to describe it. And with these, you can actually do other things. Like that's how you generate the checkpoint at any time. You can use it to rewind to the last checkpoint if you mess up. You can use it to call down a camera, which brings up a whole secondary mode of uh, taking a picture of every single creature in the game to fill your Toki decks, which, yes, is a reference to Pokemon. And if you do that, you get some extra stuff. They've added uh, achievements. I don't know if the version you played had achievements. Like the original you played on Wii U when you last talked about this. But now there's an achievement system, so it's not just about the puzzles. It's about doing certain things. You can collect all sorts of other stuff. There's, like, for a game that's literally about whistling and stomping... I sure didn't. I just had the Tokidex. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, the achievements came later, I think, with the PS4 version. But either way, um, everything, like, starts at this core idea of stomp and whistle, and they've added just so many layers to it. So it, it's quite elaborate for something so simple, and it all looks and sounds great, too. Like, I think this, like I was saying before, this may be where Serene actually comes into play, but it really, like, the art style is very nice, the sound design is really nice, it just looks nice, it's running at 60 frames per second... 1080p TV, 720 on the handheld, you know, version or mode, just like how Rive their last game did, and it, it does support HD Rumble. I don't know if it does much with it. Like it's like, oh, okay, I get a half Rumble for some actions, and a full for others, but it doesn't really, it doesn't really have like the visceral connection to anything happening on screen. It's just like, oh, I climbed up something, so did like a, zzz. oh, I fell down something, so did. A zzz. And that's like it. Like that's probably the weakest implement. Like switch thing they added was HD. I mean, it's nice. It's there. Just hmm. you know, what I mean, it didn't really. I mean, do you feel otherwise? You've been playing it. No. It just seems like it's just kind of like a normal rumble mode, opposed to like it wasn't anything special. Yeah, but they're they're kind of propping it up like, oh, this is a cool new feature. And it's just it's just there. But I don't know if the game really needs it because like, you know, it's just a fun laid back game. In in many ways, it actually kind of reminds me like between the laid back vibe and the puzzle room style platforming, where it's just you go puzzle, puzzle, puzzle. Kind of reminds me of another Switch game I was playing recently, Max: The Curse of Brotherhood, which I talked about a couple episodes ago. Um, if you guys want to listen back to episodes of episode, it's like two ago or three ago, and there are impressions, but they both have kind of a similar vibe. Uh, one's a bit more actiony and has a different puzzle hook, Max. But if you like Max, you'll probably like Toki Tori Two Plus. If you like Toki Tori Two Plus, you'll probably like Max. And if you like either of them, there's also Toki Tori One now on Switch as well at only ten bucks, and it too has HD Rumble. But I can't tell you if it's eh or not because I have yet to play the original. But but beyond just like beyond just that weird middle ground of fans of Max and fans of Tokitori, I would probably just recommend this to anyone who just enjoys puzzle platformers. Like it's definitely one of the best out there. It's really kind of charming. It feels right home on Nintendo console, both in design and in appearance. And it's only ten bucks, which is mm. kind of a steal given that there's so much to do in the game beyond just the very simple puzzle mechanic of whistle stomp. <laughs> so I like how that sounds, whistle stomp. Whistle stomp. So yeah, no, seriously, it's it's I was. I know you raved or pretty much raved about it in 2013. Like, I don't remember you having any complaints. I just remember you liking it a lot. Definitely and no I was just sitting there like, well, one day, and now that I'm done, I'm like, well, why didn't I do that sooner? Like, it, it's, a, it's a good game. I definitely recommend it to anyone that's into that genre. So that's what I've been playing. That's what you've been playing. I think this episode's pretty much done. Unless I'm forgetting anything. But, um, like, it's fine because this episode is really about, like, the big guns and the big games from the direct. But with GDC going on this week, and on Tuesday we have the Nindy Showcase being part of it. I suspect our next episode, which will be out on April first, no joke. Uh, I suspect that one's gonna almost be like the yin, the ying to this yang, or whatever the, the whatever the term is, because that one is gonna be all the indie side of things. So if this was the big ones, that one's like the little guys. So we'll be back then. 
with you know all the news from that and thoughts on that. Plus, we have impressions of Kirby Star Allies and other games we're playing. So, to make sure you don't miss it on April first, you can subscribe to us on any number of podcasting apps: Apple, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Music, or Google Play. Um, what else? TuneIn, Stitcher. We're we're everywhere. TuneIn, a new one. TuneIn's been there for a while. You're not paying. That's how you get Alexa to trigger us. Oh. But yeah, we'll be on all those. You can also. <laughs> I think it's right, to trigger us. To trigger us, we are triggered by Alexa. Um, we're also, of course, on uh, Twitter. If you just want to follow us there at Ram Nintendo, we're individually on Twitter. I'm JSR7. He's Wero, W-E-R-R-O underscore O. And like I said, we'll be back in two weeks' time with a more indie slanted version of the show to counteract this one, uh, plus Kirby. And I, you know, the final thought I'm just gonna say is, we managed to go a whole episode without discussing how people on the internet are freaking out right now about Luigi's genitalia. So <laughs> props to us, and we'll see you in two weeks. I did, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.